Hello there, this is part two of Robbie and I's top 10 favourite films of 2020. If you haven't seen part one, go and watch that and see what our 10s through 6 were of our favourite films of 2020. And uh, yeah, go to that there. But if you've already seen that, enjoy part two, where Robbie and I go through our top five favourite films of 2020. UK release. Enjoy. Top, <laughs> top five. Top five now. I'm kind of mm-hmm. good that this film's number five and not in the top three. But okay. shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, Celine Siama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm. Maybe my favourite cinematography on the air, Robbie. Okay. I, I haven't seen this one. Oh, and I'm going to say this to you now, Robbie. Mm-hmm. What's the point of us doing the muse when Portrait of a Lady on Fire exists? That's what I'm going to say. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Because everything that I wanted to do for the muse, mm. the vibe, the dialogue, the moments where there's minutes of just painted. Right. And it's enchanting. And it's calm. But also really, like, it's like when you watch the waves crash against the rocks. It's almost kind of like, what is the universe? It's, it's all, it, gives, <laughs> it gives that vibe where you just see and just paint on a canvas. Yeah. And it's just, it's borderline ASMR. And it's just, and it's equally <laughs> as philosophical. And it's everything I wanted to do in The Muse. Yeah. But it was done fucking impeccable with this. So what's the point? Is what I say. But, it's one of those movies that pisses you off with how good it is. is but what I saw, yeah, I saw this after everything with the muse. I think I watched this during lockdown. Yeah. So which also a very apt lockdown film because it, it, I'm not sure if you know anything about it, Robbie. I, I know absolutely nothing. It's a period a French period piece. Okay. And a paint a um a painter goes to it's almost like a secluded island, French island yeah where a where a wealthy girl is getting pushed into marriage and she needs a portrait painted of her but the thing is if she knew she was get but she doesn't know about her planned marriage and that or like she doesn't know like she refuses to get a portrait painted of her because she just doesn't fuck... She's basically like, fuck this whole thing with it. Yeah. So at first, this painter's been brought in to just be a... a Not a minder, but almost like a um, another maid, another assistant to her. Okay. And the painter, she has to almost, like, memorize her so then she can paint her okay. when she doesn't know. Yeah. And then other things happen. It's... A beautiful film in all sorts of ways. There's no score. So right, it's okay. atmosphere. They mm. pure just atmosphere. It's like, again, on this small French island, you hear the waves sometimes. You hear just... It's 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 very tranquil, is the way okay. I'll say it as well. And the yeah, costume, yeah. costume designs are impeccable as well. It's a film that it shot... It was at first discussed to be shot on film... But then Celine Siama felt that she was going to shoot it on digital. She shot on a red, I think. Oh, yeah. 8K. Yeah. 8K red. And so she... What? 
Yeah, and so because she felt like the digital, the way 8K digital, it'll capture the colors more vividly than if she did it on film. Right, okay. Which are, And it fucking works. Mm. Like, the colors pop. Like, they wear just bright red dresses, bright green dresses. The color theory is just, you can look into it in all sorts of ways. Right, okay. It's, it's amazing. And again, it's another film. It's another, um, it's another gay romance film written, directed by a gay woman. Same thing as Happiest Season with the two main actresses also gay. So, right. it's, so it's, it's, and it feels, and I'm going to say, because I also watched Blue is the Warmest Colour, another French uh, mm-hmm. film about uh, another gay romance French film. And I have side issues with Blue is the Warmest Colour in the sense of like, I wouldn't say Blue is the Warmest Colour is a film about love. It's a film about lust. In the oh, okay. sense of where Blue is the Warmest Colour, the vibe I get from that film. Again, I hear about some people who watch Blue is the Warmest Colour and that was the film that made them feel like they could come out. All power to people like that. And all power f- for the film giving them that yeah. thing. From the perspective of a straight white man watching Blue is the Warmest <laughs> Colour, from the pers- watching Blue is the Warmest Colour, I watch that film and I think to myself, I don't buy that they love each other apart from the fact of like they like to have sex with each other. Uh, whereas Portrait of a Lady on Fire, it almost built, their relationship builds to a yeah. point where like you get it and it becomes love. But then when it becomes lustful, it feels quite like natural in the or sense the end, of... sort of. In yeah, a way. like, and yeah. I mean, it, it, like, because un- Blue is the Warmest Colour has like an eight minute sex scene in it. Mm. And whereas like Portrait of Lady on, Fire, Lady on Fire doesn't really have a sex scene in it, you almost see four play happening and then like, then it cuts to them laying in bed and then just talking. Right, okay. Yeah. So it's, so it, and it, it's, it's, it's very sensual as well. It is a very sensual mm. film, but almost from the vibe that oozes from it. Like, it's not like, yeah, it's subtle in the way it does it. Yeah, I and mean, kind of similar to Call Me by Your Name in that way. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's yeah. that type. Like it just feel it's it's just a sensual film by aesthetic. Yeah. Like and then like the film, ah uh, man. And again, it's. I think I I've only seen it twice. I saw it once just sitting down, watched it, and I watched it a second time mm-hmm. in a more in a different way in the sense of. Like I think I was just doing. I wanted to try to do some drawing. I was get. That's what I was. I was trying to practice some anime drawing because I just wanted to do it. Oh, nice! Uh, so I just stuck that on, on my telly, yeah. while I was doing that, and it's quite a peaceful thing to do. If you've already seen the film as it is, it's almost a perfect peaceful film to also have, on right, while, awesome. yeah, while yeah. you're while you're trying to be creative. Cool. Like it's it's wonderful. And the reason why I said it's like a, um, a, it's a perfect lockdown film in a sense is because it's like, um, you know, these, it's, it's, it's mainly like four characters in it and like, they're just on this locked away, like not locked away, but this island removed from everything else. Yeah. It's kind of isolated and a nice little encapsulated story. And there's another film on my list Mm -hmm. that's similar and that's okay. all I'll leave off from that. But yeah. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I think you would appreciate it, Robbie. I really yeah. do. And It's one that um, I've definitely got on my list to watch because all I've heard is good things. 
Yeah, it's like one of those where thing. not a yeah. single review I've heard is is negative. Again, if you can w- try watch it on as big of a big of a telly as you can with the okay. best quality that you can. Yeah. So don't be a fucking bitch and just watch it on DVD. You absolute heathen. I'll right. You know what? I'm sick of the abuse that DVDs get in this day and age. Because they, they they're worthless. They have no use anymore. What? No. Blu-rays. No. Just just buy a Blu-ray. Fuck your Blu-ray. It's, <laughs> I'm happy with the 179 DVDs that I own. And, and so, that, so you should, Robbie, but you should also upgrade. You know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely upset at the moment because they're all in Hartlepool. Oh, no. I, I can't watch anything. My Hang on. I'll turn off my, um, my virtual background for a second because... I just want to show you this. Right, this is my bedroom, everyone. I'm really sorry. See that thing there? That, yeah. That's the, that's the mount on the wall that my telly is supposed to go on. I It's it's devastating to look at it every day, honestly. <laughs> Back to Sydney. I just, <laughs> honestly, because my, uh, my telly, you might be thinking, but Robbie, if it has a wall mount, then surely it can't stand up on its own. And you would be correct, because it's currently wedged into the corner of my room to make it stand it, up on top of a desk. <laughs> it terrifies me. Every time I've walked it's in there so and just bad. seen it, I'm like, you need, you need to do something about I've, that. That's I fu- feel like when I get back to Hartlepool, it's just going to be flat on its face, just smashed into a million pieces. You're going to go back to Hartlepool, Leo's in your bed, and the telly's on the floor <laughs> smashed. He's already there. I don't understand how he's done that. That's what I mean. So he's probably so, he's probably Kevin McAllister in it in Titan. Well, he's, he was trying to pressure me the other day into into uh, mailing him my keys for my flat <laughs> because he said that he wanted a change of scenery from his flat to go downstairs and go into my flat. And also, he said I left a bag of chips in your freezer before we came back for Christmas, <laughs> and I wanted to have chips with my tea and realized I didn't have any. <laughs> Idiots. Oh. He we, won't be we, listening we, to this, so I can call him a moron. <laughs> I, we were we were on such a lovely note there as well. Then I had to attack you. I'm sorry about that, but I'll uh, I'll, right, I'll bring it back. This also has one of the best endings of the year, and that's all I'll say about right. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That ending, man, oh, beautiful. It's a beautiful film, and. Yeah, again, why should I, should I even bother making the Muse when this exists? <laughs> because it's amazing. We all love the Muse. Oh, and Robbie's frozen. Have I? Hello? Uh, I'm back? There you go. We okay, start hashtagging it, guys. We all love the Muse. I didn't hear the hashtag. You, you laughed and then you froze. So I didn't hear anything said, that you said after... I said because it's amazing, and then when we we all love the muse, and then I'm saying get it trending. Hashtag all right, it. okay. We all love the muse. Uh, on to man number five. Now this one. Right, stop you there for literally a second. Yes. I was talk. I was talking to Joe Castlin. Big up mm-hmm. Joe Castlin. Big up. He was he was telling me that. Um, he, he was he was trying to boost my ego up because I was because because as everyone knows I flattened that thing like a pancake. Oh and, man, um, he, he's like a got like a meat tenderizer on that thing, just smacking it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah. So here's so here's Joe, who's it's the same, but with his acting, 
where he shouldn't mm. be. He but, shouldn't um, be at all. He's amazing. But he was telling me that because um, he tr- he he tells he was when he worked at the when he did some for CBBC. Um, the director on that apparently was like, "Oh, am I the best director you've worked with, Joe?" And he went, "No." And then he went, well, who is then? He went, well, I work well, this guy called Oscar W. Fitchett. He's the fucking best. So Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. But, also, but in terms of the muse, right, apparently oh. he showed someone, I forgot who he said. I think she's a actress who's <laughs> like in legit stuff and she's yeah. going to be like exec producing something. And apparently um, he... Well, he showed your it to her and she was like that needs to get developed more because there's something there and mm-hmm. he also told her about the muse and apparently she was like yeah that should get that, that should get finished that should definitely get like done or, done again so joe's Lovely. getting all this professional backup for me <laughs> <laughs> and i still hate it <laughs> but you deserve it you should know that i'll accept the praise but i'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll only, I'll only, be- I'll only believe it when Hutch shakes my hand. <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> For fuck's sake! That'll happen one day. I really hope, genuinely, I hope that happens to one of us someday, and we can, uh, whilst the other one's in the room, so we can look to each other and be like, "Are you seeing this? <laughs> Are you seeing this?" <laughs> Christ, that's amazing. So big so number. Big up to Joe Caslin. Big up to Joe Caslin. Your number five, innit? My number five. Um, this one. So you put Happiest Season down um, to uh, as like your, your happy movie. Just your chill, put it on, have a good time. And I um, also have one here at my number five. Um, and that's The Gentleman. That's I haven't got it in my top ten, but fuck me, that's a good one. So... The gentleman kind of went under the radar this year. Yeah, right, well, came out not this year, twenty twenty. Came out January first, I think, in the UK. It did, yeah. So it was. Uh, I saw it. I saw it on the day. Mm. And it's just, I so Leo made me go see this one because he's a huge Guy Ritchie fan. I'll mm. never understand it because I'm not the biggest Guy Ritchie fan in the world. Um, Snatch is really good. I really like Snatch. Never seen Lockstock, but then things like King Arthur and the Sherlock Holmes films I've never been big on. Oh, don't either. you fucking, don't you bag on Sherlock Holmes, man. There, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but this was a really pleasant surprise, and I didn't appreciate it the first time I saw it, I don't think. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it, I came out of it negatively, and I don't know if it was because I was uh, trying to spite Leo, probably. That's what I spend most of my life doing. But I, I remember coming out of him being like, why was it told in a non-linear way? That was fucking pointless. Just say the story normally. I've since seen the film another four times. And <laughs> I I keep coming back to it because it's just so much fun. I didn't know this. I didn't know how like much you've it's, been it's, into it. Honestly, it's so much fun. And nothing else this... Oh, well, actually, my number one. But uh, not, nothing else, bar something else, has made me laugh as much as this film did this year. This, honestly, the, some of the one-liners in this are mm. unbelievable. It's 
to me, funnier than Snatch, and Leo's going to slit my throat for that <laughs> because Snatch. I I, I, haven't, I haven't seen Snatch yet. It's it's yet. really good. I, I'd yeah. highly recommend it. Um, but honestly, like performances are on are on top notch here. I mean, Charlie Hunnam blew yeah. me away in this. He's great. Um, I already knew Colin Farrell was great in comedic roles from watching In Bruges because he's the best, and I love him. This. This is almost like if his in Bruges character just got older. Yeah. Yeah, it is really. And then just randomly started a gang with chavs. <laughs> One of my favorite things is when he just backhands a bunch of chavs in the chicken yeah. and tells and tells them to respect their elders and then tells yeah. them to fuck off. And I'm like, I can't think of anything more British than that. One of the best parts of that is when he goes, um, now, now hit me with something else, like an insult. And he's like, make, make it quick, make it funny. And he just goes, fuck you. And he's just like, Christ, that's disappointing. <laughs> it's like, offhandedly, it's great. There's the whole thing with the guy called fuck. Oh, is that, uh, oh, no, oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's like, his, his name's Fahok, but it's spelled with a PH, so it's Fahok. <laughs> so good. Like a really genius, snappy script. Henry keeps Golden at, keeps going at a pace. Henry Golden is really good. Um, he needs to do more shit like this. He needs to do he more. He really does. Because he's wasted in Last Christmas. Stop doing your Last Christmas kind of shit. You, I'm really surprised he hasn't been nabbed up by something like a Marvel film or a DC film yet, to be honest. I think, I don't know. I, don't, I think he needs he needs something that's like... I don't know. You know, like what Stephen Young's doing yeah. lately. He needs yeah. to do something like that. He needs to do like an indie film. That's yeah, like, I agree with that, actually. To really fucking flex his acting chops. Yeah, because he's really good. He's yeah. great in this. The Last Christmas is a terrible film, but he's quite a good part in it. He, he's charming as fuck. He's, he's, he, he, he really is. He's like the new. Um, oh, he's so much like a Cary Grant. He definitely is so Cary Grant. I do like. not understand that reference in the slightest, and I'm not going to pretend like I do. Don't you know like Cary do. Grant? <laughs> Cary Grant? Oh. I don't. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's a, we're going to have to do some Cary Grant film for the intermission okay. at some point. He's, he's suave and charming as a motherfucker. Excellent stuff. We love <laughs> things we love to see. Um, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey is a big standout in this one. I'm a big I, McConaughey fan. I'm a I, big, I like, am. Like how some people are with Nick Cage, I'm that with McConaughey. Yeah. And I'm surprised how well he works in this because it's a cockney gangster film and then suddenly you just slap the most American man in the world <laughs> into it. And he's asking, in the first scene, he asks for a pint and a pickled egg. which yeah. it, And it shouldn't work on any level, but he's really, really good in this. And I think I appreciated the script more on repeat viewings. Um, definitely don't just watch this film once. I think to really appreciate the the narrative and and, and the scripts that Guy Ritchie has really cleverly written, um, you need to see it more than once. But it, honestly, just as a fun, lovely little time that I like to just put on because it makes me laugh and I enjoy it every time. Gentlemen is my number five. There's someone that we didn't mention that it would be we would be fucking it would be fucking horrific if we didn't. Mm. Hugh Grant. Oh my god. How do, right, okay. I'm going to go on a little Hugh Grant rant. A Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> for a little bit. He is having 
the best renaissance I have ever seen. <laughs> Just about to say that. And in the weirdest films, he comes swinging in Paddington 2. He is he's amazing like, in Paddington 2. Why isn't he getting Oscar nominations for I, that? He's so good. Like, he is hilarious in that. Um, a Very English Scandal, which is a series. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, but not for free. I think you still have to pay for it. Right. Yeah. I saw it anyway when it came out, but um, because it's written by Russell T. Davies, who I'm a huge fan of. He is amazing in that. I am so surprised that he hasn't been talked about enough in that. He basically, he plays a politician who, uh, a British politician who had an affair um, with uh, another man and then to escape that uh, affair, getting out into public knowledge because it was in the 80s and being gay was still illegal and things like that. Um, they uh, He tried to have the guy killed. And the guy that he had the affair with is played by Ben Whishaw, and he he's obviously played by Hugh Grant, and he is amazing. And it's a true story, really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, he's he's doing incredible, and in this, he is... I can't believe I didn't mention him, because he's probably my favourite part of the whole thing. Do you know the best way I can describe him in this? Go on. He's the British version of Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems. Yeah, yeah, it's I'd agree with the- that. They're, yeah, I, they're practically identical. Yeah. <laughs> In every fucking way. Yeah. He's just like, he's such a slimy little bastard in that film, but he's so good at it. And um, I'm just going to put this out there for, for future records so that people who are listening to this in the future can go, oh my God, he did it. When I'm showrunner of Doctor Who, not <laughs> not if, when, yeah. <laughs> um, Hugh Grant, be next to your phone, um, I will be calling you up to pursue the role of the master. Uh, you'd be really good at it. <laughs> if you're listening. You he isn't, but if he is. Uh, <laughs> there you go. He will be the master in my Doctor Who. Who, If we if we were to get any sort of uh, uh, celebrity figure, if we were to find out who would like the intermission, who would be the most likely? That's a very like broad oh. thing. Oh, I don't know. It would be someone of like safety level. It would mm. be like one of those. Like, yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, I don't it, know. If an Edgar Wright would, that would make my life. I could die I'm, a happy man <laughs> if Edgar Wright listened to one episode of this podcast. One of them. One Keep, of them. Everyone tweet him at him. Instagram <laughs> DM him. He's been hacked today. Um, I saw that on the, yeah, yeah, I saw it on my Instagram feed and then I watched Simon Pegg's story explain that Edgar Wright had been hacked. <laughs> He said, if you say any unusual posts, you'll know that they're not him because they don't aren't about films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's been hacked. <laughs> but Amazing. Yeah, that would make my life. But yeah, that was my number five. Sorry, the gentleman went on a little tangent there. My number four, mm-hmm. right? I'm we're on we're on about uh this. You know what? Right. We're on about films that are that are, uh we watch to be comfort mm-hmm. from such a fucking mental year of 2020. Yeah. And and even the start of 2021. Yeah. But, and this film, I can't think of any more film that is 2020 than mm-hmm. what I'm about to say. I watched this one time, I think for the first time, and I liked it, liked it quite a bit. And I thought, you know, I'm going to watch it a second time. And then I was like, is that my number one? It didn't get there, but yep. it 
It's my number four. And it is a part of Steve McQueen's Small Axe series. Mm. And it's Lover's Rock. Okay. Lover's, Lover's Rock is a film that I fell in love with my second time. Uh, Small Axe, I think, is a very intriguing... It's a very... I love the fact that's a series. First yeah. of all, I'm a big Steve McQueen guy. I thoroughly like 12 Years a Slave. I've only seen it once, like when mm-hmm. it came on the cinema. I need to re- re-watch it. Shame. If I could make a film like Shame, I would die happy, man. It's, it, it's, I've it's, never seen Shame. Shame is the depressing film that I want to make. Okay. It's it's <laughs> that type of thing. It's And the filmmaking of that is impeccable. And... I just and widows. I didn't mind. Mm-hmm. I was okay. I still yeah. need to watch. I need to watch Hunger. But I really enjoyed Widows. Yeah, and Hunger. I don't. I don't. I haven't seen Hunger, but I know this, Robbie, mm-hmm. and this will scream Oscar. Why Oscar would want to watch this film? Go on. There's a shot apparently in Hunger where it's just goes on. I think maybe for twenty minutes. But it's just a still stationary shot. Jesus Christ. Of Michael Fassbender acting his fucking ass off. That's amazing. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna fucking adore that. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to. But Lovers Rock, the Small Axe films. Mm-hmm. Again, we went through a very heavy Black Lives Matter movement in 2020 and should carry on in 2021 mm-hmm. and 22 and until it stops and until yeah. this shit stops. And smaller, and there's films that came out this year that I think really do speak to, like, just beautiful timing. Defy Bloods, yeah. said, for example. The Trial of Chicago 7, which didn't make my list, but a film that isn't about Black Lives Matter, but it does deal implement with it. that, yeah. deal with that very much so. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is not a film that's about Black Lives Matter, but there's a lot of things talked about in that. Yeah. But I think. The Small Axe films, uh, Mangrove, which is the film that it, more people would be talking about because that's more heavier. That's more that's more mm. like Chica- Trial of Chicago 7 in the sense there's a court case and all that stuff. Yeah. There's the film Red, White and Blue, which is John Boyega's best performance he's ever fucking done. I haven't he's, watched that one yet. I'm- he's, oh, floored me. Absolutely yeah. floored me in that film. But Lover's Rock isn't a film that's heavy. And I think that's what took mm. me off guard when I watched it. Because I watched Mangrove. I watched it in order. So I watched Mangrove and then Lover's Rock. And I was kind of like, oh, because I was waiting for the longest time where, like, you know, they're going to be partying and then police bust down or, yeah. Yeah, uh, so. or, or like a bunch of people break in and just, I was waiting for something awful to happen. Yeah. And there's inklings of the time. Like where, um, I forgot the actress's name, who's incredible, I want to add. Is that who, who plays Martha? Yeah. Yeah, like, when when she goes outside yeah, after she, her friend, yeah. Yeah, she, new actress, and she's yeah. fucking brilliant. She, there's inklings of that, but then that's it, really. Yeah. And it, I just, and I appreciate, so like when I first watched it, I was like, there was just one moment where it's like, I I think it's like 20 minutes mm. of just dancing. Yeah. I'm sure it's just a solid 20 minutes of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm well into this. Like, I love just, it's still going. 
it's fucking still going. Yeah. And then the second time I watched it, I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to say I was literally it was late at night. I had it on and I was just on my feet dancing along with it all because <laughs> it's so fucking infectious. And it's mm. just and it's um I love the atmosphere of it. Yeah. Like it just feels just like it feels I think because the plot synopsis that IMDb, IMDb letterbox says, it says a fictional story of young love and music at a blues party in the early 1980s. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. It's about the love of community, the love of just meeting someone for the first time and just seeing what happens. And then yeah. just like, and then just the music just thumping in it. It's just like, it's, I think Carson Runquist said it best where he could smell the smoke in the air mm. through the film and he could feel the vibrations from the sp- like everything about this. It transports you to a time that feels ancient, but it like I because I put in my letterbox review in the sense of like this was the best party atmosphere that I've had in over a year. Yeah. Like it's like and I needed reminding of that of a time like that i needed it reminding of a time of being with friends and just getting invited to come over like like there's times where people would invite me to titan like not for film nights for like parties yeah, just to chill and stuff yeah 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 for like parties though and i'm not much of a party guy so i'm like oh, i don't know so i go along kind of not like really sure everything and i'm there having a pretty sound time i'm not on the dance floor ripping it up but you know i'm i'm chatting and i'm having a much better night than i imagined and i'm coming home at like 2 a.m but thinking to myself oh that was a really nice night and that's exactly how like this feel like i it's the same type way how days and confused ends like exactly the same type of vibe like you just go through this night and then you come back and then it's the morning, but you just got back home. Yeah. And it's just, it's, ah, it's something that's really special, I think. And I did, and I did say, I do think, I think this will get better with time. And I think this is going to be a days confused of a generation. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I watched, I've seen this one. Um, it's one of the, it's one of the set of the small acts ones that I've, I've seen. I've only seen the first two. Um, this one, it, 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 I have to say, it didn't grab me the first time I saw it. Yeah. But it's it's one that I think it's one of the ones where that happens quite often. I found on this podcast, um, where the more I think about a film after seeing it, yeah, initially maybe not really liking it as much and thinking, yeah, it was alright. It's really growing on me, and yeah. I, I've it's gotten to a point now thinking about it throughout the day because I watched it this morning um, and obviously hearing you talk about it then, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. Um, because th- there's a part of me that when I was watching it thinking like, what is the, what's the point of this? Yeah, um, yeah. Because I was watching it thinking like, oh, it's got to be going somewhere. And then by the end, I realized, oh, I, I was kind of, I felt cheated because I'd watched it and it was just kind of really, really elongated scenes um of people dancing yeah. and then just like 
little character moments in between for about a minute and then just back to people dancing for a really long time. Um, and it really, it kind of disappointed me because I was expecting it to be more than that and to, and to say more than that. Um, I was kind of taken aback with how, how little it says about kind of race and the, the whole politics of it all. It has nothing to do with that. And I think I was, I was taken aback by the fact that it doesn't have anything to do with that really, apart from, <clears> like you said, that, that one moment. Um, and then the more I thought about it, I'm like, it's, that's the point is that yeah. it's not about anything. It's just supposed to encapsulate one night, the feeling of that one night. Um, and really when I think about it, it, it captured a lot of the times of me growing up and going to house parties. Um, yeah. you know, just random things where some dickhead that you didn't really like comes into the party and then yeah. a few minutes later, something bad's happening with them and somewhere else in the party, something else bad's happening and everything. And it's kind of going between it all. It, it, it really is a really nice feeling of camaraderie, community. Um, yeah, I, so it's growing on me more and more and I can't, I really can't wait to watch it again just to appreciate it's, it. It is an odd place to have it in the, in the Small Axe series where you start off with this two hour like heavy commentary on yeah. race. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and then you go from that to this one hour and 10 minutes celebration of community. Yeah. And it's it's odd, but I think they the small axe films really do work. It's good to almost watch them almost like continuously, and then you step back and you go, which one is staying with me? Yeah. And to me, it was Lovers Rock. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, no, it is a film that I do think like again, I needed that, and I do think once you know what it is, yeah, like once you get like. Like so many of my favorite films are like this. Once you watch, you need to watch it once to get the plot out the way with. Yeah. And then you watch it again to really understand what makes the film click. I'm like that with The Big Lebowski. I'm like that with Days Confused. Mention that. Yeah. A lot of Linklater films, I think. A lot of Linklater films are like that. Where like you need to watch it once to just get the, like, to just get all your expectations out the way with and then actually watch it again i think lovers rock is that and i when i say it's going to be a days confused of another generation days confused wasn't huge when it came out but it grew a cult thing with it i think it's gonna yeah. be the same with this where some generations like uh, some teenagers are gonna find this on bbc iplay or whatever and they're gonna they, they're gonna be just really they're gonna love the music they're gonna be really into the '80s style or whatever. Yeah. I think it's. I think especially for like the black community, like the West. Like, like yeah. I do, and I do think that's what I mean. Steam, because I think it's all great showing black British history mm. of the really intense racist history that is also being involved within the British justice system but i think it's also nice to almost have a celebration of black british culture and community which is exactly what lovers rock is i think yeah. completely yeah like steve mcqueen like steve mcqueen is just outright being like here's us just having fun yeah there you go and that's my number four i fucking love lovers rock again yeah. um, almost made my number one and then i on my second view and then i thought no because i'm not like there's the other films are more like films that it's weird to say they're almost more films quote yeah. but yeah it did Love feel like an episode of a series kind of yeah 
but I I think I think the the word that I would that I would use to describe it, which you said earlier on, is infectious. It very yeah. much is, uh, and like, yeah, like I said, I can't wait to watch that one again. Very excited. It's again BBC I player. It's free. It's an yeah. hour and ten. It's an hour and ten minutes. It's it's so it's just get into it. Yeah, honestly, if you watch no other film from Small Axe, watch that one. Which which I think you should watch near enough all of them to be fair. But yeah, watch Lovers Rock definitely. I'm excited to watch the rest as well. I'm excited to properly sit down and get into them all. Yeah. Um, my number four is um the trial of the chicago seven hey, which i know you said it wasn't gonna be on your list um, but I, lo- I i do like it a lot i, I really loved this yeah. i um again go- going back to the, the first three on my list took me by surprise how much i liked it um mm. and uh oh my god how like aaron sorkin and they called him andy yeah. sorkin that was weird um the script is masterful and it's yeah. you're obviously to expect it with something written by Aaron Sorkin um i don't think he's quite as strong as a director as i'd like him to be i feel the same i do um, feel the same with that yeah but in te- but i think the the script that he made um and and the 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 actors who bring amazing performances to this uh, make it to quote Mank uh, director proof completely <laughs> um, like I think anyone could have taken the helm of this and it would have been at least good because the script is is that is that perfect everything is spot on I it's such an underdog story yeah from these guys like everybody is amazing uh, Eddie Redmayne who I don't usually I'm not usually a massive fan of incredible in this that's a, exactly my thing i'm not a fan in this well into him he's amazing he's so good um there's the uh sasha baron cohen obviously the standout is think, is definitely person. yeah i i would i would definitely say the standout um his friend in this who i i can't remember the actor's name say. but he's also in the big short He's really good in this. He, he was he was one that stood out to me, but them two as a duo are, are, are perfect. Um, but I think my favourite um, performance in the whole thing is Mark Rylance. I was just about to say Mark Rylance. He's so good. Oh my God. <laughs> I love him in this. Literally, I, I was so on board with his character because I, I can't speak obviously for the for the actual guy that he's supposed to be portraying because this was a true story um mm. but he just seems like the nicest bloke in this yeah. um t- trying to um defend the leader of the black panthers uh in court mm. not to stand to be his kind of to be his lawyer because um all the stuff that happening there is really powerful in terms of um, the court never stopping to acknowledge the fact that he hasn't got anyone representing him. He's just there. Yeah. And whenever he tries to speak for himself, he's not allowed. Um, the judge is such a bastard. Frank I, Langella, man. He's yeah. such a dick in this. Yeah. Honestly, like I think his performance is... I think it'll be really underrated in terms of this, in yeah. terms of people talking about this. Because... I don't think this film would work nearly as much as it does if you didn't fucking despise him. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, exactly the, the same. 
Exactly. There's there's films that almost bring me on the brink of tears from just how fucking angry I am. Yeah. And everything that's going on. This was that. Um, Fruitvale Station's a big example of that for me. Oh, I bored God, crying yeah. with that film. Yeah. So how fucking angry I am with that. But um, 13th, the documentary that Ava DuVernay did, mm-hmm. that's another film that almost brought me on the brink of tears for how pissed off I was. Yeah. Trial of Chicago 7's the same thing. Man, it's, it's just like, like this this underst- underdog story of these guys and it's so it's a lot of the reveals throughout which are, are, are just perfectly placed in the script to make the pacing of this it flies by yeah they, man. It's, a, film, it's a bit over two hours isn't it it's, I, think. I think about two hours 20 about i think like 210 220 yeah. roughly about there but it, it just it moves at a click man it is mm. so well paced. Every little reveal, and even ones that come out that are in like um, that play, paint our protagonists in a bad, a bad light. You are gutted when they happen. Yeah. Like every single one of them, you are so invested. And this is a story that I knew nothing about. Um, and it's it's an amazing story and something that's completely deserved a film to be made about it. Ah, uh, oh, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Yaya Abdul Matisse the second, is that his name? Maybe I don't know. Who yeah. he he was recently? Um, oh, I was gonna. He was in Watchmen. I'm not going to say who he played because it's okay. a spoiler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but he was amazing in that, and he's just as good here. I can't wait to see him in Candyman, who he mm. is the lead in. Um, it doesn't get a lot to do. Yeah, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. Uh, yeah, really good here. Um, really excited to see him in a starring role because he doesn't get a lot to do. Like I say, he's no. not he's not particularly in this a lot, isn't it? Just enough, yeah. I feel. Because um, the f- the film's not about the Black Panthers; it's about exactly Chicago Seven. But they were intertwined in that. Yeah, like the the um, Aaron Sorkin does it really cleverly, where it 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 kind of it touches on race relations. They're there. They're in. They're one little kind of through line throughout the film, but he knows that the focus of this story isn't on that. It's on these yeah. other people. And so he really gets a balance right with it. Um, and yeah, just a masterful script, which I'd love to read. Um, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big, like, I, uh, I said, like, I put in my letterbox review. It's like a courtroom film written by Aaron Sorkin. Of course, I was gonna love this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fuck, like I'm like yeah, like it's it's a recipe for success. And also in terms of my again, it's not on my top ten, but I did really fucking like this. I'd say top twenty mm. in my yeah in, for twenty twenty for me. But I got like especially within this summer, I got very into the uh, looking into the. 70s, 60s hippie counterculture movement. Mm-hmm. I got very interested in all that side of things and looking deeper into that. I listen to a lot of uh, psychedelic rock and stuff. And yeah. I mean, you can hear you can hear when we talked about Apocalypse Now because that was the summer when we talked that and how like into that side of things I was. So that was mm-hmm. interesting seeing more about that side of things, which I didn't. I didn't again. I didn't know. I didn't know about this. Yeah, and like oh, I forgot the. Abby, I forgot the guy that Sasha Baron Cohen played. Yeah. Uh, but fascinating, fascinating guy. Really is. Because you do kind of, 
for a point of it, it, Eddie Redmayne's character has kind of a grudge against him, saying that he doesn't believe in what he's fighting for. He's just doing it for whatever reason, because, it, uh, you know, for, for a completely other reason, be it, you know, fame or recognition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of agree with him for a bit, for, for quite some time in this film. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen's performance leads you to believe that. And then all of a sudden, when it switches and you realize why he does actually do it and that his heart is completely in it, it's really kind of powerful and makes him yeah. a really, really interesting guy to watch. Sasha Baron Cohen has such a good year. I mean, this came out the same time as Borat's subsequent movie film, which yeah. two films, which I think deliver in two very powerful political messages in two very different ways. Yeah. That, and he gave him, I mean, we know how great he is as Borat anyway, but yeah. him as, uh, in this film is just, I. it gives more legitimacy to him. It gives more people, I mean, I think I knew he was quite good dramatic, but yeah. I think he needs more drama roles, I think. He does, because even when he shows up in big kind of awards films, he's always kind of the comedic relief character anyway. Like, yeah. when he was in Hugo. Les Mis, Hugo, yeah. Like, things like that. I think he does need a, a chance to, to flex his acting muscles a bit because he is incredible in this. Genuinely. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was Oscar noms, to be honest. There's there's heavy likely ship that they're pushing for him for best supporting actor. Good. Really good, because he completely yeah. deserves that. He is amazing in this. Um, it's one that... When did it come out? Cause it, well, it, September, I think. It yeah. was around about that time, I think. It's October, been, maybe. It's been out a while, but I don't remember anyone really talking about it when it did come out, yeah. um, which disappoints me. So if you haven't seen Trial of the Chicago 7, definitely go see it. Um, it's on someone Netflix. That I, <laughs> someone that I want to shout out in this film. Mm-hmm. My boy Joseph Gordon-Levitt's back in films. Yeah. Big fan of the guy, massive fan. I, I, you know what? I'll say it. He may not be the best actor, but he's my favorite actor right now. Oh, like in the sense of like, I mean, you know, there's Joaquin Phoenix, there's Leonardo DiCaprio, there's all these powerhouse actors. But you know what? I, I can't. You know what? Just Gold Levitt is the actor that I connect to with the most in every single performance <laughs> he's in, and I fucking love him in everything he's done. So. And I'm glad he's back making films. And he's took time off making films for a sensible reason. He was like, I've just become a dad, so I want to spend time being a dad and not work for a while. Good on so, so he did that and then he's back he's got three films out. Yeah. Now, I need I haven't I didn't watch Project Power because I just heard it was meh. Yeah, I've heard that, it's not great. But I want to watch he did a film called Seventy Five Hundred, which is on Prime, and he plays yeah. a pilot. Mm-hmm. He plays a pilot and the film takes place it's like lock but in a cockpit okay lock pit <laughs> nice damn it god damn it um but you watch that but yeah for for this to be one of the ones that he comes back with is, is great because like everyone else he is great in this um and it's and it's also like he's not like the the lead he's he's yeah, he, he's he's there, but which he's, surprised me. It took me off guard because at first, when when he's first introduced, um, I was like, "Oh, so this is it's his film. He's the protagonist yeah. of this." And I thought it was going to be him kind of rebelling against the system that yeah. he's been brought up in. Um, it isn't that at all. Uh, <laughs> but he's still he, his he, his character has a great arc, though. Yeah, like, it does, and yeah. I think he's it's an unexpected role for him. 
for me anyway, I, I, I thought it was quite unexpected to see him in that role. But he is, yeah, amazing in this. Uh, really amazing film. And there's also that one actor who took me well off guard that was in it. I'm not going to say him because it was a surprise to me. Yeah, I'm and not going to ruin that for anyone because I had no idea he was in this. <laughs> he came in and I went, what the fuck? <laughs> I haven't been that surprised to see him since... I'm not going to say it, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Right. Top three now. Top three. Holy uh, shit. My number three, Robbie. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? Yeah, I would say my top three. I'll give these five stars. Like I would okay. say these are five star films for me. My number three is Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Um, cool. In every single way, this is the best film that came out in the UK in 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we briefly talked about the fact they just built a set. They built house. They built two houses. It's they just did it. It's insane. And, <laughs> and they, yeah. I mean, I watched it for. A, I watched it two times in the cinema. Mm-hmm. First, I mean, I'll get to my first time seeing this. Second time I saw it. In the view in Hartlepool, mm-hmm. the fact that it was just playing in the view is insane crazy. on its own. <laughs> Which was the last film that I saw before lockdown, like in yeah. the cinema. And then I saw other films in the cinema, which were kind of depressing. But anyway. Mine, mine was um, Beds of Prey. What a way to go out. That, it was almost that. I watched <laughs> Parasite like the week later. Yeah. And I was like, it's like I fucking. Thank God. Got in there quick there. <laughs> and then I watched it for a third time on Prime. Because I yeah. just saw, you know, I was like recently, I was like, you know, what, I need just let me rewatch this to see like where it would be on my list. Mm-hmm. And I can't say any negative about it. I, I think that's where it comes into it. There's no negativity I can say about Parasite. It's, uh, it might be the best edited film of 2020. Yeah. I, I would f- agree. Yeah. Purely for that TV scene. Just purely for that oh. scene alone, the sound design is impeccable, impeccable as well. Yeah. Even from when the kids just running down the stairs to just heads cracking off walls, it's just and it, uh, and the the twists and turns that it takes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unbelievable. The acting, I think, far overlooked. I don't think enough yeah. people are talking about the acting. I think, I mean, they make it. Yeah. Like every single fucking one of them. I mean, Song Kang Ho, who is like the Robert De Niro of South Korean cinema. <laughs> He's incredible. He's also in Memories of Murder. Fucking watch Memories of Murder, everyone. It's better than Parasite, I think. I, I will. I promise. <laughs> I promise I'll watch it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every, uh, the the mother of the rich, I forget, the Park family, I think they are. That's, that's who I was going to say. She's, She's great. great. The, Again, the humour in this film. It's funny as fuck. It is. Genuinely. I was surprised at how genuinely hilarious it is. Yeah, it's... Like... (laughs) I inhaled some popcorn. But uh, it's genuinely... It's funny. It's... I think, without being a horror film, it's one of the most frightening films I saw last year. I remember when you you messaged a group saying, I'm watching Parasite. Is this, no, be, is this meant to be funny? And I went like, yes. And then you went, what, what is, is... I was like, yes, it's every genre. 
<laughs> and you were right. Little yeah. did I know you were completely telling the truth. And then you, that was a funny then, night. And then, yeah, because then you went. Um, I'm watching this with my parents, and I went like, "Uh oh." <laughs> Just, yeah, that's a terrible uh, idea, you idiot. Uh oh. And you went, what, why? I went, no, not saying no. <laughs> <laughs> you just let it happen. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. When 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 things started happening, I was just sat there with my parents. My mum was shit in her pants. <laughs> Honestly, it was it was one of the funniest experiences I have ever had watching a film with my family. And uh, here's the thing I want to say, because this is what we're referring to. Mm. Maybe the <laughs> Maybe the funniest sex scene I've ever seen in my entire fucking oh my life. God. Purely not because for the actual sexual acts happening, because I think the actual like sex scene, the actual sex happening, is mm. actually quite an interesting commentary in this sense, in yeah. terms of how they are acting and what they are saying in that moment. Mm. But it's just the moment where it cuts to Song Kang Ho under the table, just with his hand over his face, just like, <laughs> oh fuck's sake. <laughs> It was the worst experience in the world. And, and then when he's crawling out, and then he just has to oh. stop. <laughs> it's tense Man. and funny. It genuinely. It, really is, yeah. it was, I think, the most horrible experience watching a scene in a film since I watched The Wolf of Wall Street with my parents. Oh, why would you do that? Why would you? I don't know. Because I'm an idiot, Oscar, all right? <laughs> I do these things because I'm a moron. But it, it genuinely, and I, I think it speaks volumes to the fact that my mum and dad, who aren't film people at all, mm-hmm. loved this. Yeah. My dad uh, was talking about this for weeks after it had come out. I, I, and I mean, the score, I love the score as yeah. well. The, I, I just had that on Spotify at one point. It's just yeah. really fucking good. Screenplay. It's so inventive, I think. Mm. But here's my experience with the film. First time Go viewing. On. I wanted to share this story with this. Um, went to... Um, it was the last time I went to Tyneside as well. Uh, oh. Was this film. And this was February 8th, the day before the Oscars. Yeah, this was the yeah. first... This was the first time Parasite is being shown in the UK. Right? Okay. And at this point, it's been in America. It's getting. It's been getting months of hype. Since it won the Palm Door in May of 2019, we, every, if you're a film person, you've just been so much hype about Parasite throughout yeah. the entire fucking thing. Guess to February 8th, UK film fans have been waiting for this thing. I walk into into Tyneside Cinema in the classic screening, so this <laughs> big, luscious, like prestigious-looking <laughs> cinema. Yeah. Packed. It was full. Oh shit! And, really? And I and it was the equi- the equivalent that I can say, the the exact feeling vibe was when I went to the midnight screening of Force Awakens. Wow! And, in, and instead of Star Wars fans, it it was just full of fucking cinephiles. It was yeah. just full of just it was packed to the brim of just film fans who mm. were waiting to see Parasite, and were there watching it, and it's just it it's already got atmosphere and like it. it mode of excitement of like holy shit this is a fucking event like we're yeah. all finally watching parasite and then we're just hearing like laughs gasps holy shits there was yeah. generally someone <laughs> I, i'm sure i heard someone go fuck and i got one point <laughs> it's 
Like, and then like it ends, and then everyone just lets out a. Like it was yeah. like a big collective sigh, like a. And then like, like Jesus. Yeah, and like Gary and Gary, who's never seen a Korean film at this point either, who's mm. never who's never really been into foreign films. Yeah, he tagged along because we had a double bill in Newcastle. We watched this and another film mm. um, in Tyneside. And this was the last one of the day that we saw. Right, okay. So, so I was like, I'm not sure how Gary's going to react to this because he's not necessarily into foreign films. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. like for a period of time, he just refused to watch them. Like he was like that with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we're walking out of Parasite and I'm still trying to like, think about it. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was fucking mint, of course. Like that was almost my thought where it's like, well, no yeah. shit. Like I've been hearing all this thing and it kind of met my expectations almost. Mm. I thought someone's behind me there. I shit myself. That was just bong. <laughs> hi mate <laughs> and, then, and then uh and then like we walked out and then gary went fuck that was mint yeah and then he and then he just got in on and then he became obsessed with koreans he became obsessed mm. with parasites and my thought was like i wasn't one of these people because i thought myself is this getting a bit overrated but i thought no, you know what no it's fucking because like, i think like it's all it is almost like beginner entry level to korean cinema is mm. parasite it's because yeah. a lot of people watch this film and they almost are like that was so different and mental and oh my god i can't believe it but i'm like i agree but other south korean films do it more like more insane yeah especially the films by park chan wook old boy the handmaiden fucking just mind-blowing shit there and yeah. even bong joon Ho's other films like memories of murder and mother are films that are like just like all these twists and turns this film starts off as one yeah. genre then kind of becomes another genre and then just kind of like it's its own thing by the end of it and it's such a unique experience to that own thing so i was already aware of that feeling anyway of korean cinema so seeing parasite to me was like yeah it's just a really good one of that whereas mm. like i think a lot of people were so blown away by it because this was almost their introduction to that feeling where which yeah. which is where my love for it more comes into it in the sense like i'm also even though that did have that effect on me but i already had that with like old boy like i already had that years ago when yeah. i first watched old boy and i was like holy shit this is one of the best things i've ever seen where that could, that's someone else's thing with Parasite. And, and the only reason why this isn't number one mm. is because my two, one and two are films that are ingrained in my own soul and my own, like, perspective on anything. Like, I yeah. didn't click on a personal level with Parasite. But with my one and two, I clicked with them. Which okay. that's which when I start saying them, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to say about me. I'm just going <laughs> to okay. put it out okay. there. I don't well, know what I'm that's very go- intrigued. I don't know what's going to say about me, but that's why Parasite, Parasite is an incredibly made film that just doesn't get me on a personal note. Yeah. Whereas my other two films, I think, are incredibly made films and crafted pieces of cinematic storytelling that mm-hmm. do just sync with me on a personal mental level. So, yeah. 
there you go. That's but that's my number three, Parasite. It's no more can be said about it. No, if you haven't seen it, find it, watch it. This is the film, by the way, that I was on about where I was saying I I would say this is probably like out of everything that's come out within the last yeah, this is probably already cemented itself as an iconic film. Yeah. Oh, I, I would completely agree with you. Like everyone's already doing the uh, the. It became like a thing to. I, I can't do. I can't remember the theme where uh, Jessica Illinois Chicago. Like yeah. people yeah, did yeah. that. People got really into Ramadan. Is it Ramadan? I can't remember the fucking uh, steak ramen noodle thing. Oh that yeah, they yeah. Made. People got really into that dish yeah. and other things like that. Just was said it like in this film. It became a fucking like in joke where if you drew a thing at the black like painted something at the black you clearly have something loopy with or like you've got some sort of darker meaning have you which do you remember where we yeah. were set, <laughs> setting up for the muse Jack Colley cinematographer getting a painting doing mm-hmm. probably I don't even think he knew what Parasite was so he didn't no, even no. know it exi- what it is and there's Jack black paint just painting black in a corner and I'm seeing this happen and I go like right wait hang on what I, I think at this point only Eferd I think at this point only Efer had seen it out of everyone it was only me and Efer and I mm. went like Efer Jack has only, isn't even seen Parasite and look what he's done and then she's looked and she went oh oh dear <laughs> which, which kind of explains Jack, a lot about Jack Jack happens to be a mania it does, it does explain a lot about Jack to be honest we love you mate but get some help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it'll, it'll hurt me for that. He, he, he won't listen him. to this, Robbie. He's probably going to hurt me anyway, because I think I've got an Instagram message from him from about three weeks ago <laughs> that I just never replied to, and I don't know why. <laughs> two, two weeks ago, sorry. Just checked. That reminds me. Mm. I need to reply to a Tinder message as well, so that we're not going to get <laughs> Also from Jack. <laughs> it was an amazing look at the drawer. I didn't realise Jack was in the female section of Tinder, but there he is. Incredible. Is he coming, is he becoming another myth and legend like Julia and Leo and Gary have become on this podcast? Purely through this one podcast as well. This is the only time oh we've talked God. about him. And yeah, we, yeah. Anyone who doesn't know him, like, wait, who is this Jack? Who is this crazy man? Thing is, though, I try to get him on Amber Rolling, and he goes like, "Ah, oh, well, we'll see." So he's, yeah. he's he's avoiding telling his like unloading his mind publicly. Yeah, he he does it in the comforts of a uni classroom. And what does that tell you? And then that's it. Anyway, dodgy guy, dodgy guy. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three, Robbie? My number three, Oscar, is a film that I have a very very special uh, story about. It cool. is. The Personal History of David Copperfield. I didn't get a chance to see this, so I'll give the reins to you with this one. This film is genuinely amazing. Now, I have a sweet spot for it because um, I have a bit of behind-the-scenes story for this one. Um, Hang on. I've got, like, a popcorn kernel stuck in my throat. And it is hurting so much every time I speak. Hang on. <coughs> Gone? Yes? No. No. Oh. Do you want to get a drink? I'm going to have to go and get a drink. 
I'll cut and then okay. we'll I'll be back. <laughs> like the shit terminator. Okay, I've had a drink, I'm ready. I'm good. I'm, I'm not choking. <laughs> you just slowly in <laughs> I can't I imagine anything like I'm talking and it's con and it's con and it's progressively just getting more painful. Can't imagine a it worse thing. Was. Can't imagine a worse thing to do while filming a podcast. On, on a podcast. It was just getting worse and worse as I was going. You left it at like I have a personal thing about this film, some behind the scenes thing, and then you just kind of went. I I've got it. Popcorn girdle in my throat. <laughs> That was horrendous. Genuinely, I've never known pain. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll carry on. Right, as I was saying, uh, before I rudely interrupted myself, my number three, <laughs> my number three film of 2020 was the personal history of David Copperfield, which I have a behind-the-scenes personal story with. Um, I snuck onto the set of this film. Uh, <laughs> uh, this film. The uh, segments of this film were filmed in Hull, which is where I am from. Um, and my friend, myself and Charlie Gittins, my friend Charlie from college, um, may be listening to this. I don't know if you are. Hi, Charlie. Um, I'm, I'm talking to him at the minute because we were talking about WandaVision. Um, but we decided to go down to the set and see if we could get in. Um we got to the car park of my dad's work because we <laughs> because my dad's work was the building that they were keeping all of their things in. Oh right. Um, to you know, all like props and, and set pieces and things like that. Um and we managed to get into the car park where all the lorries were with holding all the massive lights um and everything like that. And it was genuinely we managed to sneak into just outside the set, like where they were filming. And it was genuinely magical being yeah. there. Um, because, you know, I, 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 I having wanted to be a filmmaker for so many years, I'd made films before I'd done short films and I'd, I'd you know, all that kind of stuff, um, written scripts, but to see what a big budget movie set looks like when you're just yeah. there next to it, it was amazing. And instantly, I was unbelievably excited for this film, um, which I already was because um, Peter Capaldi was in it, who I'm a massive fan of, uh, he, uh, which I'll get onto that because that's another personal story, which is from this film. Uh, Dev Patel, is a, I'm a huge fan of, um, who is the lead in this, uh, Hugh Laurie, and it was directed by Amanda Inucci, who I love, like, with all my heart. I've loved pretty much everything he's ever done the thick of it is one of my favorite series of all time mm. in the loop is an amazing film which is kind of in the similar vein yeah. to the thick of it um he was one of the co-creators of alan partridge which is again one of my favorite things ever he did he do death of stalin he did do death of stalin right, yeah. yeah just i'm an unbelievably huge fan of his work so i was instantly excited for this and I didn't know anything about the David Copperfield story. I've never read the original book or anything like that. Um, the Peter Capaldi side of this personal story for me, um, he was on set uh, filming in Hull. Uh, at the time was The Doctor. He was the 12th mm. Doctor on Doctor Who at the time. Uh, <clears throat> my favourite show ever. Um, 
I have a strangely encyclopedic knowledge of it. Uh, ask me I any question. You, I thought you were going to say I have a sh- I have a strange relationship with that show, which you do. I do have a. St- it's, it's it's an abusive relationship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very. If anything, it's it's quite a. Um, I forgot the name of it. It's a one-sided romance. I forgot the exact name it of it. It really is. It's Un- unacquited love. Un- yeah. I think, I mean, you know, it's abusive in the sense that I continue to love it and it continues to hurt me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, anything on Doctor Who anyone asks me, I'll, I'll probably know the answer. Uh, I'll beat Robbie Southern in the quiz there. I said it. Um, I put my money on you. Thanks, mate. But I heard wind that Peter Capaldi was on set from my dad because he worked next door to where it was being filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as Hugh Laurie and Dev Patel, but Peter Capaldi was on the set, right? (laughs) Um, And so that's the reason me and Charlie went down, was to see if we could try and meet Peter Capaldi. We didn't. We just had this magical experience seeing a a big-budget film set. Um, And then the next day, I was sat at home doing some some college coursework for my film studies, (laughs) and um, all of a sudden my phone starts ringing. Uh, and I looked at my phone. I was like, oh, who's this? And it was my mum. I answered the phone uh, and I went, all right, mum. And then just a gravelly Scottish man said, it's not your mum, right? <laughs> and I was like... So first of all, you're terrified that someone's just taking your family yeah. hostage. I was like, so she's been kidnapped. Is what you, like, what's, what is this? And he says, this isn't your mum. This is Peter Capaldi. And I was like, what? And he was like... I'm just speaking to your mum now and she's given me her phone to ring you because she said that you were a big fan and a big film person. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, well, it's great to meet you sort of thing. And he was like, this is the genuine conversation we had. He said, what are you doing? Right? And I said, just doing some film coursework. And he went, oh, anything I can help with? And I was like, probably not. You're on the other side of the hall, Pete. And he went, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much it. And then he moved on to just go, I've met your parents, they're lovely. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then um, that was the end of the conversation. I was like, oh, holy shit, I've had uh, a phone call with Peter Capaldi. They had his uh, autograph, which they got and brought home for me, which I have here on this shitty scrap of paper yep. that says, to Robbie, all the best, Peter Capaldi. And then he he'd he'd sign a little bit underneath that says doctor and then three question marks uh, as, as doctor <laughs> who, which is great. Um, the next day I was in Hull anyway doing some things and I thought you know what I might as well go see what what scene they're filming for David Copperfield, um, where I ran into Peter Capaldi. <laughs> I said, oh hello. And he went, All right, mate. You got your hair, mate. Because <laughs> we're best friends now. Of course. Uh, and he was like, oh, hello. And I was like, oh, um, we've met already. And he was like, oh, have we? Did you come down to the set before? And I went, oh, no, no. We spoke on the phone yesterday. You rang me off my mum's phone. And he goes, oh, yeah, the little woman with the brown hair. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my mum. And he was like, you were doing some film coursework, weren't you? And I was like, yeah. Like, he remembered me. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. My father remembered me. And he was like, how did it go? And I was like, oh, it could be anything, to be honest. I haven't got the mark yet. And, that, <laughs> and we, we took a selfie, which is on my Instagram and will be for the rest of time. And that was it. And that was my um, meeting with Peter Capaldi. 
so I was unbelievably excited for this film, um, which could cloud my judgment slightly. Who knows? But I watched it, and it's just like so different from anything that I would imagine Amanda right. Iannucci would do. Um, it's nothing like the thick of it, or Alan Partridge, or Death of Stalin, even, which deals with kind of more delicate subject matter than the other two did. But I mean, it's still it's a comedy. That mm-hmm. style is still a comedy. This is a comedy, but it's more than that. Yeah, you know okay. when you, you know when you see a film and someone says, "What is it about?" and you kind of have to go like, uh, "Well, it's about a guy's life entirely." Okay. That's this film. Um, right. You follow David Copperfield, who's this guy who's. It's sort of implied that um, he has some kind of mental difficulty. Um, but it's sort of like an autism sort of thing in terms of um, he's kind of his mind's really hyperactive, um, and he's an unbelievably creative guy. Uh, it was written by Charles Dickens, the original story. Um, oh right, okay. As kind of being a surrogate for himself. Right. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of follow this guy through his life, uh, and he has this ability to whenever he meets someone of really strong, interesting character, he can perfectly replicate that character into his writing and how the, his characters talk and all that kind of thing. Okay. And so it's just <clears throat> a, a, following this guy through his life as you meet interesting character after interesting character with an amazing cast. Like um, mm. Hugh Laurie's probably the standout for me who plays a character called Mr. Dick who is amazing. He's <laughs> this guy who um, believes that when I think it's King Charles... When King Charles was decapitated, he believes that when that happened, all of the thoughts from King Charles's head went into his head, and he has all the thoughts of King Charles, and he writes them down on little scraps of paper and just sticks them around his room. It's amazing. Uh, it's so good. And and then David comes in and helps him by sticking all those bits of paper to um, kites and letting them fly away, and it kind of, it's kind of therapeutic for him. Um but yeah, you get Peter Capaldi, who's amazing in the film. Uh, Tilda Swinton. Uh, oh, t- she's in this issue. She, oh, oh yeah, she's, oh, she's one of my faves. She's Hugh Laurie's sister in this, who is David Copperfield's auntie. Um, and just everything about it. Um, ben Whishaw's great in it. It's it's an like completely star-studded cast who are all on top form. Um, to tell a story that's really interesting about the kind of creative process and about creative people, mm. um, which really kind of connected m- with me on a lot of different mm. levels. The, the, the character of David Copperfield really did connect with me. And yeah, I was just a really big fan of it. It's really nice, wholesome, um, and and moving a lot of the cool. time uh, about this kind of struggling artist who comes from a really poor background and him trying to make it by just telling stories that he's come across in his life. And it's really, really lovely. You know, would highly recommend it. Cause I think it's a film that will definitely go underrated. I'll definitely have to give that a go. Yeah. Definitely. Check it out. Oh, no. Cause I feel like you'd be really into it. I want to give, I've always wanted to give, uh, that director's stuff a go. Yeah. I remember seeing bits of death of style and I was like, that seems like my type of shit. It's hilarious. I, I remember because Imbruge is one of my favorite things mm. ever. So I'm not saying I'm yeah. not expecting it to be like that, but yeah, yeah. I like that. Have type you seen of stuff. any of the thick of it? 
No, the only things I've I'd, seen of a thick oh. of it are clips of it and stuff. And I do want to yeah. see it. And I've seen, I think it's from In The Loop, because there's a mm. compilation that I watch every now and then called The 100 Best Movie Insults. And there's just one mm. bit where Cap- Peter Capaldi is... He's in America, so I assume this is In The Loop. Yeah, I think that's In The Loop, yeah. And he's just like kind of... Just like ranting on the phone and just some American just goes, Hey, yeah. buddy, he's about the curse words. And he goes like... Kiss my sweaty balls, you fat fuck. And then he just <laughs> <laughs> fucking walks away. I'm like, it's fucking incredible. I love it. It's so good, honestly. Um, all of the and thick I think, of it's on Netflix now. I think there's also a bit in that as well. That's also including that video where he goes, um, and it's like, um, where he calls the guy a cunt and then he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I know you don't appreciate curse words. So let me say, you're, su- you're, you're such an F star star cunt and then <laughs> so I'm like, like oh, i'm gonna be into this then aren't i yeah I mean, my shit it's great um i don't know where david copfield is currently available it's on prime i think i think i've noticed on prime okay well then yeah definitely watch it if you get the chance i love it and i think more people should talk about it mm. it's great yeah so that's my number three my number two Mm-hmm. was my number one for the longest time of the year right, until okay. until I rewatched my new number one and then that just switched. Yeah. And my number two is a film that I saw the same day as Parasite. So what a fucking wonderful day that was for me. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, another A24 film. So I've got to push it out there. Mention this guy slightly as well, the director of this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be around the bush anymore. And again, I want to preface, I don't know what this says about me as a person when I say my two my two favorite films feel like they link onto me mentally and just personally resonating. More so for 2020, for the year 2020. Yeah. My number two is Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. It's oh a my fi- God. It's a film that... I was anticipating anyway, as soon as I saw a bit of the trailer and I just see, and I just hear Willem Dafoe going, why just spill your beans? And it just loops. I'm like, what is this film going to be? Holy yeah. shit. I'm going to fuck, well, I need this. I need mm. this film. And then I'm also, um, I love The Witch. The Witch. Um, I still haven't seen The Witch. Slow. I really need to. Slow, but it's, mm. God, it's fuck, like, that was almost the film that started A24 in my head as a company to be like, fucking that, that yeah. film, like that. Because I know, because I know other films. I saw A24 films before that, but they weren't registering to me that they were. It got to the okay. point where I, it got to the point where every time I would notice the logo pop up, and I'd be like, I noticed that that logo always shows up in films I'm huge fans of. And yeah. like I remember watching Enemy with the A twenty four logo popping up, mm-hmm. Lock the A twenty four logo, Under the Skin A twenty. So I'm like, and then it got to a point where, and then like I, I think Room Room as well with the A twenty four logo. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I saw the Witch logo, like trailer. Uh, Will and I did a reaction to the film to the trailer actually, and mm-hmm. you can see me 
I, I, uh, and you can see me being like, I, I've, I've realized I'm starting to like, you can see the dawn of my realization yeah. on that video of like, oh, maybe A24 is a fucking company mm. that I'm into. And I think A24 are doing the best horror of the past decade. Horror that mm. I like. Horror that I, that's my type of shit. Yeah. I like, Bl- I like Blumhouse horror. I mean, that's what, um, you know, I love, I love a good bit of Blumhouse horror. They can be quite shit at times though as well. Like die. Oh yeah. Uh, but I love a good Blumhouse horror. I'm a big fan of New Line Cinema with their horror stuff like The Conjuring and It mm. and stuff like that. But A24, they're my type of horror, which some people might go like, what do you mean? It's not even scary. I'm like, that's what I fucking like. About it. I like it. That's like, the point. Yeah. It's atmospheric and c- crawls under your skin. And I don't big think time. any other... And I think The Lighthouse is almost a perfect example of that. And... Mm-hmm. God, where do I start with the lighthouse? I've never publicly spoken about this. I haven't like properly <laughs> talked about this because Gary wasn't yeah. fussed. Gary wasn't fussed on it, so I haven't really had an in-depth conversation about him with it. Yeah, yeah. And Lewis liked it a lot, but I haven't really had that much of an in-depth conversation about with him. And the closest thing I've had to an in-depth conversation about the lighthouse was when we were in Morrison's that time, and you were getting some food, and I just briefly mentioned yeah. it, and we just started talking a bit about it. And then I held off on it because I'm like, I know I'm going to mention it for this video, so I kind of mm. want to hold off on that. This is Robert Pattinson's best performance. This is also Willem Dafoe's best performance, I think. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe's one of my top five favorite actors. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Like, and fuck, like, I don't know where to necessarily begin with this film. This film starts as like a sense of like, I get so attached to it from the filmmaker point of view. And this Mm -hmm. is the film that I'm on about where 1917 and the lighthouse are the two best made films from a film crafts point of view, purely because right. Besides from the film, the the cinematography, which it's that and portrait of a lady on fire are tied for best cinematography of the year. Mm -hmm. Every fucking visual in that film is stunning to me. Um, the costumes, great Robbie I don't know if you know this mm-hmm. they built a fucking lighthouse this wasn't Wait, a what? Lighthouse. this wasn't a lighthouse they found they built a fucking lighthouse I genuinely had no idea about that that's, that's, why, in, that's mental yeah yeah I'm like <laughs> they, they found an island yeah and they just built a lighthouse that's ridiculous <laughs> I, I genuinely had no idea about that. I just imagined they had a lighthouse that they filmed in. Maybe some of the interior shots might have been uh, built sets, filmed no, elsewhere. But that was, that was my thought. And then I looked up behind the scenes and I see them with in like cranes just assembling Jesus. this thing. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, That's horrifying on its own. Just the yeah. prospect of doing that. <laughs> so it's almost like the Revenant in the sense of these guys were in the fucking trenches making this mm. film. Yeah. It wasn't a pleasant place to be, but the film isn't a pleasant film. And No, it really isn't. <laughs> and it's... God, and it's like... I, I saw an amazing review on Letterboxd. It was either on Letterboxd or Reddit mm. that commented about this and they said portrait of a lady on fire is what would happen when two women are stuck on an island 
where <laughs> they grow to love each other and they talk about art and culture and they embrace each other. The lighthouse is what happens when you put two blokes on an island together. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. If, if, if us two were stuck on an island together, <laughs> I imagine one of us would shag a mermaid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, it, that is completely accurate in terms of like two men stuck on an island would just go mental like that yeah that, that is what would happen yeah. yeah and it's like it's frustrated sexuality as well it's it's yeah. like a thing where it's like they start dancing because they're just pissed mm-hmm. and then they go to kiss and then they push each other off and then they get in a fist fight <laughs> and it's like yeah yeah of course of course yeah. that happened I think I fell in love with it because of how raw this is. And you hear me say that a lot with certain films, but I think i that's what I love about film. I love when films write for me, it's the unpredictable, just visceral nature of it. And that's what this film is, where like it's where it just feels alive. And Lover's Rock is like that in a optimistic, positive sense where... Yeah. It just feels raw and alive with the dancing and just the community and like mm. when that dude just starts flailing himself in that <laughs> film. Whereas like Lighthouse, there's moments where they just scream into the to the sky, and yeah. it's like 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 people can look at that and go, "But what's happening?" But it's like get fucking emotion, yeah. like just pure like absolute like animalistic like passion is what's taken over there. Like Completely, from yeah. the actor's point of view, but I'm—I'll admit for the first when I first watched this, I was like, I don't quite understand what I got, but I knew I just had an absolutely powerful experience, and that's where A24 shines the most for me. When I leave a film, kind of just like, just stunned, yeah, and just kind of like, fuck, what did I just witness? But I feel like I just watched an absolutely impactful thing in my life. I completely had that reaction. The the first time I saw this was like, (laughs) we, this is going to sound so stupid. The first time I watched this, I bought, I'd bought it on DVD. Um, yeah, that's right. Oscar DVD. Wasn't going to say anything. Uh, (laughs) me and me and Julia watched it together as a date night. Oh, Um, what a look. Right. You don't watch (laughs) you. Right. You don't watch eternal sunshine and spotless mind for a date film. But you thought, you know what? Stick the lighthouse on. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, you know, because we're a romantic couple. And yeah. um, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, it would be a film that I, I would, I, I, I would stick it on. Yeah, there's it been was time, great. Like it's like it's like I, yeah. There's been times when I was like, for oh, we're staying inside. Let's have a little date night. What should we do? And I go like, well, there's this A24 film that you haven't seen that I think is gonna be really cool if we watch it. Stick it on. My girlfriend's like just kind of confused. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like Julia had already seen it. Um, oh, so she okay. Right. She saw it in cinemas when she was at uni, um, and there was a point in it when her flatmate, shout out to Wally Bruce, um, shouted out loud in the cinema. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> really loud. Um, and she did it when we were watching it. And it was, uh, I'm pretty sure you'll know exactly the point that I'm talking about. But, it, it, um, it, mm, which bit? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and she did it when it happened. And it was genuinely like, I. it was horrifying and creepy 
and like you said, it got under your skin and the entire time the, you just kind of like tend stuff like this. But it was so much fun. Like, it yeah. is a fun, horrible movie to watch. It's the arcs, the character developments through these films is impeccable. Yeah. Like, Unbelievable. Wh- who these two men are at the start of the film and who they become at, at the end of the film mm. are two different you're looking at you're looking at a cracked reflection of the person they were by the yeah. end of it all and particularly in patterson's case pat man it's like um and again this film i think i i for my first letterbox review with it i said um um i went in expecting to think about uh beans but then i left thinking about lobster yeah <laughs> This, uh, that's another thing. I don't get how... F- I, I think I quoted this film more than any other film from twenty from 2020. Yeah. In the sense, like, I'm next to Gary, and I'm just going... Like, we do it together. The pair of us <laughs> do it together. Like, every now and then, Gary just goes, uh, you're fond of me lobster, ain't you? <laughs> and I just go... And then I just end up going like, you goddamn farts. You <laughs> fucking farts. <laughs> just, just like... It's... But it's so funny. That's what I mean. It's, it's, it is gen- it's the moment where he's just like, with the lobster scene I'm on about, where Willem Dafoe's horrified yeah. that Robert Pattinson goes like, you're cooking shit. And he goes like, <laughs> but you're fond of me lobster, ain't ye? And then he goes, fuck off. And he goes like, I know you're fond of me lobster. I've seen it. Like, he's like in denial that someone could be so like, like not liking of his fucking lobster that he's probably <laughs> taken so much time and care to probably like oh me signature dish and then he dishes it out and it's like oh christ like it's funny it really is and again like what i i don't know what it is robbie mm. i'm realizing this i'm becoming a big fan of farting films <laughs> yeah Swiss Army man. Swiss Army. It's A24 and farts are like maybe the best combination of it. Another, right. An A24 film where two blokes are out from civilization, Mm. go through some sort of philosophical existential journey and one of them farts loads are generally two of my favorite films. (laughs) And I'm just... What a niche genre. And I've just (laughs) described... Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what it is. Like, there's things that the reason, like, obviously from a filmmaking point of view, I find this quite inspirational in the sense, like, I would mm. l- kill to make a film like this. Yeah. And only enough, I watch this film and I think to myself, I live in a coastal town. I can do something yeah. of ilk, similar thing like this. And I also think to myself, like, I've started jotting down ideas for a stage play inspired by this film. Because mm. I think this film could really work as a stage play. Oh, definitely. And I, and I think something similar could really be fascinating but aside from creative influences again i don't know what this says about me i feel very mirrored to robert pattinson in this film there's something i don't again i don't know what that says about me or if you've learned something new about me from that robbie or if i've just said that i've and learned nothing new about you from that. I, was gonna, I was gonna say oh if i've just said that and you go like that all makes sense now like, i don't know what that says it's like what you can't see over to this side of my room is that I have a chalkboard where I have <laughs> blotted out the mind of Oscar Fitchie. And that was the last string I needed. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if I should just leave it at that and then maybe go into <laughs> another video at some point yeah. detailing that. Because I think I need to... I know that's how I feel. I know when I watch The Lighthouse, mm. 
I feel a re- I feel myself in Winslow. I think that's yeah. who he, he is. I feel myself in Winslow. I don't know why though. Mm. I don't know if I need to psychoanalyze myself further <laughs> in order to do that. <laughs> yeah. Which would be some entirely. Um but yeah, there's and the second time I watched this, which is the best way to watch it, I mm. want to add. I stuck this on, turned the lights off. I stuck this on Jerry at midnight. Oh. And I just fucking just watched it in the pitch black dark at midnight. So, and so I'm like in a similar way, how lovers rock kind of took over my body of just Mm. making me want to dance. Lighthouse in that situation took over my body in the sense of I'm just going all like, I'm like in a floaty daze. Yeah. (laughs) Of just like going through this fucking weird path mentally. And I'm exploring something in my mind mm. that I don't know what it is. But I mean, it's it's, like it's, I- de- it's definitely unlocking some doors, which I didn't realize I had established. No, it's like when and- I first watched Mandy. <laughs> Fuck, I need to rewatch that film. That's Dude, another I- film. I that's watched like- that about one in the morning in the dark. <laughs> oh, that's a film that's it also so perfect weird. for that. Yeah. But yeah, I think... But aside from the very personal connection to Lighthouse that I have, which again mm. terrifies me to say that I have a personal connection mm. to Lighthouse, I think this is just purely one of the best made films I've seen. And yeah. out of what I call the A24-3, being the Safdie brothers, Ari Aster, who did Hereditary Midsummer, mm-hmm. and Robert Eggers, Robert Eggers is my favourite. Yeah. And... He's doing another film. He's the because he's doing another film called I forgot what's I think The Northman. I think it's just finished okay. rapping. It's mm. a, a I think it's A twenty four as well. It's a Viking film, Robbie. That's With, interesting. It's a, hang on, I'm gonna read the cast out to you, Robbie. Go on. Because this, you know what? This is my most anticipated film for whenever it's coming out. Are we gonna get to watch me get progressively more excited? If you watch it it's, on YouTube, it's got Alexander Skarsgård. Nice. And. <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy, Return from the Witch. Yeah. Nicole Kidman. Interesting. Who she's come out and say, like, The Northman is one of the most viscerally intense productions she's ever been involved in, and The Northman will fuck people up, apparently. Which Excellent. Yes, cool. please. Ethan Hawke is in this. Willem Dafoe. Uh-huh. And Bjork. That's a weird. Yeah. That's a weird one to end on. The the plot being set in Iceland at the turn of the tenth century, a Nordic prince sets out on a mission of revenge after his father is murdered, based on the Danish folk tale of Prince Amleth. That sounds so cool. And the fact that this dude Jesus did a folk this dude the fact that this dude did a folk tale a, a film based on a folk tale a folklore thing of the lighthouse because he went through like an actual lighthouse journal mm. from like this time period of basically similar thing yeah two blokes losing their fucking mind the amount of research this man goes into that excites me for the north oh, completely again people are like oh the batman i'm like that but you know some people yeah. are like yeah, i'm still excited for the batman but people are like all this stuff about like whatever Marvel film's coming out next that people are excited for. Ah, oh, well into this, well into that. I'm like, fucking give me the Northman. Yeah. Give me the Northman. Uh, but time. yeah, that's... And I also love the fact how Robert Eggers is literally just a chill bloke. 
Mm. I think I remember ch- telling you, like, when I, in the Safdie Brothers acceptance speech, and then there's Robert Eggers. I went, that's the dude who did The Lighthouse and The Witch. I couldn't believe how young he is. And he's just a, he just looks like a trendy, chill dude. Yeah. <laughs> you would think he's like this old English cynical bloke who just... Yeah, completely. But, but no, he's just like... A, a, he looks like someone we would know at uni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if he just walked into uni, he would be like, yeah. Yeah. Won't an art student. Yeah. yeah, an art student. <laughs> nah, he's making these really mental, like, Scandinavian-esque existential horror fests. They're so and, good. And I'm, I'm looking... And I I'm want really more. excited for that. Really I excited I want more that. from him. Yeah. He's, excite- he's an exciting person. Yeah. He, he, he's very... His films are very old school, but they're so fresh. Mm. I think that's the best way. The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is so like Scandinavian revival era, like Ingmar Bergman, Carl Theodor Dreyer's stuff. Mm. But it feels new. It's weird. It's this weird mix of yeah. everything. Uh, I think yeah. I'll, I'll just as a final point on The Lighthouse from me, um, Warner Brothers, stop! Don't don't, don't be cowards. Just make Willem Dafoe Pattinson's Joker. If I don't get to see Willem Dafoe play the Joker in a film at some point in my life, I will die an unhappy man. Thank you. I mean, yeah. And that's my, that's <laughs> made for the lighthouse anyway, because otherwise I'll be going too far into it. So cool. no problem. get into your number. Duh. Okay. So this one is um, the one that I wanted to go into in terms of uh, personally for me, um, which is soul. Which we talked yeah, about I, before. Um, now this, I, I've spoken to you about why I like the film. Generally, when we when we were talking about when you brought it up, um, it's incredible. The storytelling is, mwah. I love the animation. I love how it looks. All of it works together so well. But um, hang on, I've just realised that my door's open. <laughs> I've done this again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, can't believe you've done this. Didn't hear that. But we're getting into personal times on the podcast, so I'm going <laughs> to close Here we go. Here we go. Um, so, uh, 2021, um, as it's beginning, is looking as if it's going to be kind of a year of discovery for me in terms of myself and my brain and how my brain works. Um, before, you get, before you get further into that, mm-hmm. you're turning 20 this year, aren't you, Robbie? I am turning twenty this year. Yeah, this that was that was around about the age that I was when I was going through all that shit. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, this film, uh, because I've uh, I don't think I've spoken about this very publicly on here before. Um, I struggle in terms of mental health quite a lot. Have done for a, a few years now. Um, and I'm just starting to kind of. Get to through through things that are happening in personal life, which I won't go into. Starting to get to grips with how it works, how my brain works, how it functions, what's actually going on up there. Um, and this film was such perfect timing for me um, because I have kind of made it sort of a resolution for me um, for this coming year to try to live in the moment a lot more. Um, don't think about things that happen in the future. Don't think about the past. Appreciate where you are. Appreciate what's happening right in front of you. Um, and th- that's what this film's all about to me. 
Um, and it really struck me for that and kind of, I took it in and it really hit me personally. Um, one of those times when the films are like just exactly what you need to hear at exactly the right moment. Um, and so when I was saying before about, uh, kind of weird companion pieces, that don't really make much sense in my head. They do. Um, in terms of films that are about, if you want to change your entire worldview in terms of living in the moment, um, three films, watch them in a weekend. So, um, about time mm. and it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. I watched those. I watched it. Uh, I watched, um, about time. We did it's a wonderful life for the podcast. Yeah. And then soul came out seeing them in quick succession. Um, really was kind of like a, that's what I need to do sort of thing. And I've started, mm-hmm. um, I've started to get help now, which is great. Um, and they're telling me live in the moment more ground yourself sort of thing. And, um, and that's really a resolution for me this year. So I think for it to come out particularly on Christmas day as well, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of when the year's wrapping up, um, it is. It was the perfect kind of booster of just go off and do what you need to do in 2021. Um, and it kind of made me excited for the year ahead. Uh, yeah. I think I don't think it's a perfect film. Like, not not by a long stretch. I mean, I think the whole the subplot with the villain is useless. Feels like a studio note that I've said. <sighs> it kind of feels like a studio note to me of like there isn't an antagonist and there needs to be all people aren't going to be interested. In, so they've gone. Ah, uh, shit. Okay. Well, I guess this New Zealand lady. Um, I like it's not like it isn't a villain villain though. So yeah. No. At least, it, yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of a subplot going on. Um, mm. There was there's a there's a point obviously no spoilers so but there's a point in the film where they take a storytelling direction I couldn't help be disappointed be disappointed when I first saw what they were doing but then I realised the meaning behind it and why they were going down that road for the for the second half of this film as in like the cat is always the yeah. cat yeah um I couldn't help but be disappointed straight away but then when I realised the reason they were doing that genius. So that was my good. reaction as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just as soon as they started, uh, when I realized what it was <laughs> going for in terms of doing that, amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just really, really moving. Um, I've I've found a few people say that they don't really like it so much. Um, yeah. Lewis, I know Lewis's girlfriend, Victoria, she says she wasn't too fussed with it. Yeah. Like she didn't mind it, but. Same so with my sister. She was kind of like. Um, I just kind of wanted it to be a bit more, which I can mm. understand. But um, no, in terms of the film that I needed at that specific moment, um, it just had everything, as well as being amazingly written. Jamie Foxx is so good. <laughs> yeah, oh, excellent. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, I think one. Of, I think one of my favorite Pixar characters. Yeah, genuinely, oh, completely. Think, honestly, one of like maybe my favorite. And that's a big thing to say because I mean, there's Woody. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, but, Sully is a big one for me. I really like Sully. Sully. I think. But and I, I mean, like, yeah, he's amazing. And and again, like you said, someone that I really kind of connected with in terms of there's this one thing that you feel like it's your entire life's purpose is to do that thing. Um, and if I don't have that, then what do I have? 
that's a big thing that racks up in my brain all the time. Yeah. You know, um, exactly the same as you. And th- this film handles it so well. Um, so yeah, that's my number two is so perfect for me in this specific moment and genuinely made me excited going into going into the new year to see what it would hold for me after a shite year. <laughs> that was 2020. Mm. Going into 2021 genuinely got me excited by giving this new lease on life by seeing just uh, on the off chance of seeing three films that happen to have the exact same message in a row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's, that's very interesting. I'm going to comment on that of what you're saying mm. there. Hearing what you're saying there, because that's been my mantra for the past five years now. Yeah. Of living the moment. And it's very interesting because I know we always joke in the sense of like, Oh, it's like I'm seeing a, a past version of me Robbie yeah but that was exactly the point with me at that like at the start of 2015 when I was gonna be turning 21 that's why I went through a load of crazy ass things in my head you can watch my video of Amber Rolling episode three three. yeah it's three yeah three of when I revisit my video on loneliness and that's when I say that like I realize I start feeling those emotions in the in 2015 which was a transitional period from being 19 to 20 and i was mm. going through all sorts of thoughts in my head yeah of just mental stuff and like i didn't have like, like there was one film that did kind of like click with me in a similar way that like um soul clicked with me mm-hmm. and um it's a it's my favorite animated film of all time it's anomalisa which okay. that's which like it's similar situation where it was a combination of that and uh talking to more of my mate at that time as well mm-hmm. as watching louis believe it or not louis was actually yeah. quite a big like re- life reaffirming questioning of like so what is it that i want to do mm-hmm. like for yeah. life and it's interesting hearing that type of thing and it's like i do think like it is really a thing where like it's moments like this like these mm. moments that do fucking remind you how important film is to people yeah it really fucking is like they again i look back and i go i remember the first time seeing anomalisa and just having that just everything feeling like it's just i have like this realization wash over me mm. and i'm like shit yeah and then it's like uh, anomaly so a lot more a lot more cynical than soul but yeah um there's similar types of like clicks and stuff and then i remember getting to 2016 being like this is the fucking year no i was like that mm. with 2015 i remember january i remember the, the first week of january 2015 i remember going for a walk on new year's day and just having this freshness feeling of like mm. right it's fuck fucking time fucking gonna do it this is going to try for the year. And it's very interesting to see that that's where you are at now Yeah, with it. And it's, again, it's scary how much not, we don't mirror each other's lives perfectly. No, but for some things weirdly line up. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's really weird parallel fucking like, like yeah. some sort of like, like there's some sort of uh, philosopher that has this theory. Mm. I don't know what it is, but some sort of fucking weird, like, mirror stage like type of shit there but that's like yeah no again films man they're fucking powerful and they really they they may not be perfect in terms of filmmaking things but Mm. sometimes you just need it you need that one moment just to click with you at that moment it's exactly that and the one 
the one of sorry the one of the other two that cool. I would highly recommend is About Time. Watch it. I need I need to watch that. I haven't it, seen that yeah. yet. If you haven't seen it, I th- I'm sure it's still on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's still yeah, on I Netflix. Think so, yeah. It's fucking incredible. It brought that's me a, to tears big time. <laughs> that's a film I know though. That I know yeah. that's a film that'll fucking destroy me. Yeah. I'm a big fan of films like that where like um I don't know where um like the like take the manic pixie dream girl trope and just kind of mm. like really flesh that out. Yeah. Like it tells Sunshine Spot's mind or like Ruby Sparks. Yeah. Um, like things like that, like romance films that throw an almost sci-fi fantasy twist into it, but also yeah. have it really grounded in reality. I know I'm going to fucking be into it. It's yeah. just like, I might have to watch that like sometime next week. Actually. I need a film like that. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, genuinely. Yeah. Before I get on to my number one, I want to throw a few honorable mentions out. I like to do this. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't know if you have any to throw out there as well. I can think um, of some. Uh, I'm going to skip the ones that we already talked about because I was going to say um, Invisible Man, but we already discussed that. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, Bad Education, already discussed that. And Charlie Chicago 7. Right. Here's a few honorable mentions. Uh, let me just one, two, three. Uh, Four, five. Right, okay. One of them, I'd say, is the last film I saw in the cinema, St. Maud, mm-hmm. an, a, an A24 horror film, which, again, similar thing to The Lighthouse, it just kind of like, I was just kind of like in this, like, what the fuck? Through yeah. the whole thing. And then it ended, I was like, fuck, that was pretty neat. Um, not as personally profound as The Lighthouse or Midsummer because both of those films are quite personally profound in my own life. But St. Maud, it's a film that has an unknown performance, an unknown actress in it who gave a fucking film-stealing thing. Very interesting, a very interesting commentary on religion and faith. Right. And it was filmed not far from around here. I think it was filmed like near Whitby or something. Oh, really? So it's, it's quite a local film. Oh, wow. And I think Mark Comer named it like his number two two or number three of the year as well so mm. fucking solid film highly recommend that another honorable mention is a film called swallow uh i saw this on now tv and the best way i'm going to describe it, i'm just going to read the letterbox description of it because cool. otherwise i'm going to get too like like uh <laughs> un- un- unneedlessly elaborate with it um Hunter, a newly pregnant housewife, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. It all starts where she just picks up this marble and she just swallows it. And then she just gets obsessed with just finding something and it's it's like what the fuck but you watch it and it gets like more like real with why she's doing this that sounds horrifying and it's more of a thriller than a horror but it can Mm. you can argue that it's a horror beautiful cinematography it's like the colors in this are very giallo almost like like and the actress who's the lead in i forgot her name Haley bennett brilliant she has mm. this like very light naivety purity about her yeah and yeah but no i highly recommend swallow to give that a go um i already said red white and blue for small acts so watch mm-hmm. that ma rainey's black bottom is another honorable mention i do have to say yeah. chadwick's best role 
I would kind of want him to win best lead, if I'm being honest. Mm. With the, uh, the only reason why it's not too high in my list is because, I don't know, I'm not like, it's really just, it's incredible. It's I think it shines really strong because it's of where it's just actors just acting. Yeah. As opposed to the plot going on. Mm. Um, but like, it's basically like you're just waiting for the monologues for Chadwick to give, for Viola to give. It's 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 a it's a drama student's dream. This is, is all else yeah. is is this film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I can imagine a lot of people trying to be Chadwick Boseman in this film mm-hmm. and just kind of failing because you can't fucking it, you can't compete. Nah, with that he, he is incredible like, in this. Like like this like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is Chadwick Boseman in that film is Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Mm. which is even more tragic in the sense like we could have had a superstar like a mega superstar but yeah uh you know i'll save that for my last honorable mention my other honorable mention is jojo rabbit almost (laughs) made my top 10 didn't quite i love the style of it i love how it's just kind of very wes anderson-y and man when it hit me emotionally it fucking struck me emotionally i almost cried like like a baby mm-hmm. um uh i'm not going to spoil it but there's one review that lewis sent me from letterbox that said that um uh tarantino only wishes he can make people this emotional about fate <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh, and and it no it really it really did affect me in the sense of like i was mm. just like straight i went from being like yeah oh, this is funny and like charming to like man fuck war which yeah yeah and the last honorable mention i want to throw out there is a film called my brother jordan which i watched yesterday uh it's a documentary on youtube you can watch it's an hour and four minutes it's by a guy called justin robinson Um. who is a filmmaker i've only recently just discovered he did a short film called guest of honor which is an incredibly powerful uh holocaust uh short film and right. he's kind of looped himself he's kind of associated with the film right guys this is how i discovered oh, okay him. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he because uh the film right guys they i think i think ryan Connolly, he's executive produced a guest of honor okay. which and he did this film called my brother jordan where it's a documentary about um his brother jordan who died of cancer at, uh he was 21 and he died in 2008 and Justin Robinson, he made this documentary from 2012 until 2019, I think. Right. So it's this big, extensive... It's almost like a Dia Zachary in the sense of, like... It's like... I think it's... Yeah, um, I think he starts off the documentary saying it's this film is for a brother, by a brother. And there's another fucking thing that really hit... Because there's loads of people that get interviewed who are just Jordan's friends. Yeah. And there's so many people. And it's like, there's one person who says, um, he's someone you don't have to lie how good he was. Oh, which I'm like, God, that's devastating. Which I'm like, wow. Christ. Like, it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, again, it's a story about like this relationship that this guy, Justin had with his brother. And there's a certain line he says in the film where he said that someone apparently went to him about like he asked justin like how have you dealt with the loss 
of a loved one because this person asked this of who dealt with a loss recently in his life and Justin apparently answered with, with Justin answered I think I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing but he said something along the lines of like you just bleed out for the rest of your life right and it's and mm-hmm. he's like it's cynical and it's dark but that's just how it is and he said such a beautiful lie, uh, line where he said because um, everything he touches he just leaves blood stains of everywhere. Everything he, he touches, his brother Jordan is now just stained on that thing, mm. which is quite even more powerful watching some of his short films that he's made in that sense. So I was like, oh, it kind of makes sense now. And he's a ve- and again, he's like 30. Yeah. So he's young and it's well, and again, recommend it. The full things on YouTube and his yeah. Vimeo as well. That so I would highly recommend Give give that a watch. Yeah. And that's my honourable mentions. Do you have any honourable mentions before we um, head into okay. number ones? Some of these are going to sound a bit daft. Um, but genuinely, Sonic the Hedgehog, I would like to give a shout out to. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Lewis went, Lewis Genuine- went, Lewis jokely went to me. He's like, I hope Sonic the Hedgehog's on there. Went, well, Robbie's seen it, so he might mention it. <laughs> Lewis, I've given it an honourable mention. It's actually good. That's genuinely why the only reason I why see, I would mention it is I because I didn't see it, so I can't see. It gave me hope that video game movies can be good. Uh, it was actually an enjoyable time. It had like That's a nice fair. little story for kids, I guess. Jim Carrey is on fine form. <laughs> he is excellent in that. Um, and it made me excited for the Mortal Kombat movie coming out this year. So that's cool. Did you did you see T- Tomb Raider? I didn't. Oh yes, I did. I like that. I, I didn't. Really I didn't mind. That. I didn't mind Tomb Raider. It was okay. Really it was okay. Um, the other honourable mention I have, I've only got two because the other ones you've you've kind of summed up there. Um, I would like to give an honourable mention, no matter <clears throat> how bad I think the movie is. Tenet. I would like to just mention for a second, because I have not thought about a single film <laughs> that has come out. In the last year, more than that. I'm telling you now, everyone, this is the only fucking thing he's talked about. <laughs> I, I can't get out of my head. I've seen it five times now, right? Because people keep fucking coming at me and saying, <laughs> you just didn't get it. I've seen it five times now. I get it. It's just not good. It just doesn't make sense. All right. I'm sick of it, mate. I've generally told him that he should consider his doing his dissertation on Tenet. I actually might. Genuinely. How authorship gets so high up in someone's minds that they think anything that they make is good. You can can analyse it in comparison because the Royal Ocean Film Society, he did a video on Nolan. Mm-hmm. And he and he compared him to David Lean. How David Lean just he just went mental at one point with grandeur. He did like a massive war epic that was apparently just really boring, uh-huh. but it was an amazing technical feat. But he just kept so you could genuinely. I probably I'm gonna could. Di- gonna, you, you you've fucking seen it five times, Robbie. It's not. Uh. I, I think I I kept watching it because when people were saying you just didn't get it, I'm like maybe you know what maybe I am missing something. I'll watch it again. And I can't, I've done that three times <laughs> since it's come out of cinemas. I saw it twice in cinemas. I saw it once with um, Elmeister General, and I saw it once with Julia and her family. 
And it just, I saw it, I've been, I've seen it three times after that. Oh, Leo. Right. Yeah, okay. El, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> El Master General is, is Leo. Also, L Dog, if you want. It's up to you. Um, L to Call each Leo. Logo. Uh, Loey is one because someone in his drama class in high school wrote him a Christmas card and spelled his name wrong. Um, okay. It's L E O, and they spelled it wrong. It was they spelled it L O E. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that I just I can't get this film out of my head. Um, I was talking to some a friend of mine the other day about it, uh, who I who keeps saying that it's good, and I questioned <clears> them and said, why the fuck would he try and shoot himself in the head um, <laughs> at that point when he was fighting himself inverted? And they they've always got an answer for it. This guy said. Oh, he wasn't trying to shoot himself. He was trying to empty the bullets out of the gun so that when he came back, inverted, and the the other version of himself tried to get the gun, there'd be no bullets in it. F- fuck off. <laughs> Is it bad that I forgot Robert Pattinson was in it? <laughs> I just remembered Robert Pattinson was in Tenet. Yeah, playing River Song. That's a, sorry, that, that's a reference from my, from my Doctor Who fans out there. Because... Christopher Nolan ripped off Doctor Who. I'd like to make that very clear. The idea of people becoming firm friends but meeting in the wrong order, that is Doctor Who. <laughs> I like the idea, but I wanted it more I wanted a more interesting film, thank you. Yeah. Uh terrible my movie. N- anyway, on to your number one. <laughs> my my number one. Uh <laughs> where do I begin with this film? Um I'm not sure if you have any idea what this could even be. Um, okay. I, have, I haven't really talked about this with anyone because mm. no fuck has seen it. Um, I, I think Scott and Adam have seen it. I Adam was this is going to be because I think Adam's, I watched it earlier today. Adam said he wasn't fussed. Scott liked it, so I've talked to him about it. Mm-hmm. And when I mean, and again, as I said, Lighthouse for a while was my number one. Yeah. And it almost was my number one. And then I rewatched this film um, on the 1st of January. This is how I started 2021. Yeah. Uh, to rewatch it because I just felt, well, this is probably a film that I need <laughs> again. Yeah. And my favorite film of the year that I think just is exactly what I needed sums me up in terms of everything that I can think of. It's Charlie Kaufman's on thinking of ending things. I knew it. <laughs> and <laughs> Reese, and if you've seen our episode with um, on and we're rolling, we talk about uh, writing influences. We we say about that. I list Charlie Kaufman as my writing influence, <laughs> especially recent. Like within the past year, I've really grown to be such a big Charlie Kaufman fan. I love Eternal Sunshine Spots Mind. That's a film that sums me up at one point in my life. Yeah. Um, Anomalisa talked about it just earlier. It's my favorite animated film. And that sums me up at some point else in my life as well. Mm-hmm. And even, and being John Malkovich sums me up at a point in my life that hasn't happened yet. And I know that. And adaptation, I that sums me up whenever I try to write a script. Mm-hmm. So, um... And I'm thinking of ending things. I think I watched this when it came out. And I think it was like a week before we were starting uni again. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember I didn't watch it 
yet. I, I didn't watch it during uni. And I just remember thinking to myself that, like, you know what? This is exactly what I needed at this time. And some people go, like, I need comfort. This was my comfort in a weird way. In a really weird way. Again, as I said, I don't know what the, what this says about me when I say that my mm. one and two feel so ingrained into me personally. And again, that's what I always try to do. I try to like make my favorite films of the year almost like films that just speak to me on such a personal level from that year. That really yeah. summed me up in that year. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm not going to get into it now, but that sums me up in 2019. Like mm-hmm. just outright does. Another fi- whiplash sums me up from that year when I did watch it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this did the exact same thing. And of course I was excited for this because it's a new child call from film. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. And I watched it and it was one of these things where I didn't quite... And again, this is a total Oscar W. I knew it was made for me when there's just scenes where they're just in the car. Yeah. And they're just chatting. Mm. But they're chatting in really like weird, like philosophical. What's the meaning of this? How does this equal this? What's the significance of this in our lives? Blah, blah, blah. Again, if you've read the muse or seen any version of the muse, <laughs> you fucking know that I just, just me in terms of writing. And yeah. to which, to which I explain the Joe, it's painful to me to watch the muse in front of people that weren't in on it. Because everything that's been said in the muse is so personally from my own mind that I yeah. almost feel like if people are judging this, they're judging everything that's going on in my head, mm. which is a which is a which is a, a vulnerable thing us writers do for uh for that thing. It's a yeah. very like it's a very like not it's a very unconsequential thing in the grand scheme of life. You know, I'm yeah. not I'm not coming out. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, it's yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not that it's, it's not on that form of brave on bravery, but as like, and I think that's why I click with Chai Kaufman so much. Cause when you see him in interviews and stuff, he's just so like shy, timid. He's like, not shy and timid, but he's so much. So like, I mean, if this film's doesn't do well, then I'm just done in film. Mm. Like, I think he said like, he's, he's cause Sinetki New York, he did, in 2008 which is a film that it was his directorial debut and he wrote the script and flopped hard yeah and even critics were split on it and he said that took a big hit on him because he was Mm. like well what's the point of even making any films then yeah and again almost kind of like me this year in 2020 what's the point of doing films if this one thing isn't get like if this mm. is the best if this is me putting all my effort into this film and that's getting shot on what's the fucking point of continuing on yeah anyway that's talking about charlie kaufman as a person anyway so i'm excited i'm always excited what he does and i was intrigued because this wasn't an original story this was based off a book so this isn't coming from charlie kaufman's head yeah so i was curious how it would work and I didn't know, was this going to be a horror film? Was this going to be a thriller? And yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. And yeah, there's moments where it's they're in the car and they're just talking. Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons. Brilliant, by the way. I fucking love Jesse Buckley is big time on my radar now. Because I... Mm. Um, Wild Rose? Wild Rose was probably my favorite film of the, of the year before last. 
Mm. I'm yeah. not. Well, it was up there definitely. I loved that film, mm. uh, and she was amazing in it. And and from what I've seen, I have I still haven't seen all the all of this film yet. Um, I turned it off. In fact, uh, I will explain this. I um, today was trying to catch up on films that I hadn't seen, mm-hmm. um, and I put this on, and got about halfway through, and thought, I'm going to turn this off, because it's un- it's really interesting, but it's not very me, and I know that if I watched it to put it into my top 10 for this year yeah. i'd be lying to myself yeah what which point did you get to um they were they'd literally just got um got to the house and they were walking around and they'd gone into the farm to see the sheep okay uh, i got right. to that point i'll not mention anything past that point as well because cool. it, it it goes further in terms of like everything that like i've been thinking about in 2020 yeah, like everything that's explored and I'm thinking of ending things is like fucking like there in mm. my head. And I do, I say this is a good companion piece with Midsummer, in the sense of it's two people who probably shouldn't be in a relationship, but still trying to be in a relationship. Yeah. And almost the psychology of that. And that's how I read it the first time around when I first watched it. Second time around, I'm not going to say specifics because that's spoilery, mm. but I had a whole different outtake on it and it all made sense again. Like, yeah. I had a new sense about it while still reaffirming everything that I thought about it the first time around. And there's things like, I don't know, it's like, to me, it encapsulates how I feel during university. It it encapsulates how I feel like after like the nights of university like after mm. hard days of uni that's what just what this is to me yeah it's that's just how i f- not necessarily how i think although that's also in there as well but there's a lot of things in this film that like mm. that are said conversation wise and i'm like how did they know that that i thought that <laughs> how did Looking that happen like am i booked uh- <laughs> But there's, mo- but it's all. This has also got some really funny moments in it as well, which uh, I'm not going to go too much into because again, there's it's more spoilery stuff. If I do go into the funnier yeah. aspects of this, but tragically funny, like a lot of Charlie Kaufman stuff is, and it's all it saddens me that he's always on the brink of just like, well, I'm not making any money from this, so I'm just going to stop making films. Mm. It always saddens me with that because he is the most interesting creative mind that I've like seen. Again, no one else is making films like Eternal Sunshine of Spot's Mind or no. being John Malkovich or Anomalisa or I, this. I love being John Malkovich. It's uh, like an incredible film. And the best way I'm going to describe Charlie Kaufman's films entirely, he's got three, six films, six major films. Three of them which he didn't direct, three of them which he did direct. The three that he did that he didn't direct, I compare them as to dreams mm. that I've had in terms of the feeling that I get. Like after you've watched them, you're like, oh, that was very surreal, but kind of like weirdly specific in my entire thought process. Really. Yeah. Like being John Malkovich, adaptation, Eternal Sunshine. They're almost dreamlike, yeah. even though they're kind of a bit like, they're, they're, kind, they're kind of like, uh, yeah, exactly. Whereas the three films he directed are nightmarish. 
yeah. in a sense. Snetki, New York is terrifying. It's a whole, it's nearly two hours of a film of like, life is fucking meaningless and what's the point? Mm. And that's that whole film. Anomalisa, similar type of thing. Again, I'm not going to get into it because I think you would really like that film, especially with it yeah. being stop motion. I, I think you- I um, I analysed a scene from it for my photography level, I believe. Oh, really? But I've never seen the full thing, mm. which I, I really do need to. And I'm thinking of ending things as a similar thing to that. Similar to Synecdoche, New York, in a sense of, like, life is meaningless, but it also has a thing of, like, it almost has a confu. The message is more so... Life is confusing. Mm. That's what I'm thinking of ending things is. And if any year of my life has been confusing, it's been 2020. And if I've needed any film to kind of like reassure me of my confusion, Mm. so I'm thinking of ending things. Again, I'm not going to get too much into it because you haven't seen it, Robbie. And I don't want to like take that away from you. But it knows when to be subtle in the best ways. And then it's really theatrical in some places as well. Like again, I've ne- I haven't seen a fucking thing like this in recent years. Yeah. It's so unique. It's ah oh, the colors again, color <laughs> color theory. It's yeah. it does good shit in there. It plays with your mind in terms of continuity. Mm. There's a lot of that, and this is the film. I mean, there's a lot of like fun little crit. There's criticisms on. There's little, not criticisms, commentaries throughout mm. the entire. There's commentaries on why you talk to someone. There's commentaries on why am I in a relationship with this person? There's commentaries on what is my relationship with my parents really like? There's yeah. commentaries on, there's commentaries on opinions on entertainment. Right. There's a straight up section where, Jesse Buckley just flat out starts quoting a Pauline Kale review from a woman under the influence. <laughs> and it's fascinating. Yeah. It really is. There's a contemporary um there's a contemporary theatrical moment in it. Mm. And it just ends in a way of like it this demands you stay through the entire credits. And I'll say that. More oh. so for you. There's kind of an after credit scene, but not really. But it's more so you just need to sit with the okay. film through yeah. the whole credits. And yeah, I'm thinking of ending things as my favorite film of 2020 because of course it is. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, from watching the first, uh, it would it would have been about 30, 35 minutes that I watched. Um, yeah. It was probably one of the most Oscar W. Fitchett films I have ever seen in my life. Just every, <laughs> every conversation that was happening, I, I was going... I don't know where it'll be on the list, but this will definitely be on Oscar's list because it's like every conversation I was like, Oscar is going to love this. Yeah. It's a film that if I presented that script to any, to a lecturer, be like, mm. take that tell, take that tell out, take that tell out, take that tell out. Yeah. But it's like, but that's the fucking point. It's just people. Oh. I mean, there's a reason why I think there's so much tell in the film, but again, that's spoiler in. Mm. Can't yeah. get into it. But this is a film that kind of got me into literature. I'm going to be honest. Like, I okay. haven't been much of a book person. Yeah. I ordered the book of this film. I still need to finish it. Mm. But it's a smaller book, so I thought, I can tackle this. Start reading it. I'm like, 
in on it. So this film's kind of got me into looking more into reading and literature, which cool. I think's grown me mentally in a sense. Like, yeah. until it, it read, no, I'm being, I, I heard all the time, like, ah, fuck off, where people are like, no, reading helps with your intelligence. No, it really mm. does, guys. If you, if, if you, if you're, if you're a denier of reading, fucking read something and then you can, you're in there. Yeah. Because again, I haven't been much of a reader, but probably what I suggest is if you really like a film, that's an adaptation of a book, read the book yeah. and then you, and then go from there. So yeah, that's another thing I have to just. And really don't, don't do a me and order countless graphic novels and pretend you're doing the same thing. It's not the same. Oh uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I went through a fit. Like, yeah, reading reading uh, plenty of manga. And I'm like, I'm tricking myself. I've got um, Mac Fraction's Hawkeye, My Life as a Weapon on the way currently. Going, <laughs> can't wait for that. That'll be a good read. And I'm thinking to myself, it probably will be good. And I'll probably really enjoy it. But I'm, I should read more books. I got more. I got, I've been ordering books. I'm like, I should really start. I should start reading books yeah. instead of buying books. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, like last week, I bought Bruce Lee's. Um, it's called "Be Water, My Friend," which is the book that his daughter wrote about his teachings that came out last oh, year. So uh, I need to read that. But I also yeah. need to, I need I need to finish this French New Wave book I've started. Nice. I need to finish. I'm thinking of ending things. I need to finish so many fucking. I need to finish Sydney Lumet's book. <laughs> I got so much shit. I need to read Robbie. I I need to get some recommendations from uh, Julia because she's massive on reading. Oh, she has yeah. got a ridiculous amount of books. She's got this collection of them in her room, and she said that she found six during lockdown that she'd never read. So now she's reading them, and one of them is the sequel to a book that she read years ago, and she can't remember what happened in the first one. So she's reading that again as well now. It's like, <laughs> <fucking> hell. <laughs> yeah. But, right, Robbie, your numero uno. Matt. I think I know what it is. I think I know. Okay. Okay. It has been. It's been mentioned before. In yeah. this podcast, my number one film of the year um, is one, again, like you said, in terms of, um, I'm thinking of ending things, summing up your stance in terms of how you like films to be and, and your f- films that speak like you. Uh, my number one film of last year is Jojo Rabbit. Yep. I I love it, <laughs> I love it so much. Um, this skimmed in just for us. This came out January 1st, 2020 yeah. in the UK. And, so um, Yeah, I saw it uh, three times in cinemas. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it since then. It's just amazing. It's like everything in terms of the films I want to make and the stories I want to tell and the way I want to tell them. Oh yeah, it's this. It's the, oh, it, this oh, movie. Yeah, no, you're right there in the sense of if I'm thinking of ending things is if the lighthouse is to me what soul is to you. Yeah, then I'm thinking <laughs> of end. Then I'm thinking of ending things is to me what Jojo Rabbit is to you. It just makes so much sense. It Completely, does. I think it's just Taika Waititi is a director who I will. It's firmly established now. I will watch anything that man does. Literally anything. I will watch behind the scenes videos of movies that he's done. I, <laughs> you know, like he came onto my radar first. Um, hearing the buzz around the fact that he was going to be directing Thor Ragnarok. Um, 
and I'd never heard of him, so I was like, that's really weird. Um, why is everyone so buzzing about it? So I had a look at what he'd done before. I do, wa- you know what, do you know what we do in the shadows? Yes. I right. didn't know about it. I had no idea about it, but um, until I started researching him mm. after that announcement, because I, I realized people were excited. So I went back, I watched what we do in the shadows, loved it. It's so good. It's hilarious. Um, it's one of my favorite comedies. Yeah. And Hunt for the, Wind- uh, Hunt for the Wilder People I watched. Amazing. I, I, re- I, I love that film. Um, uh, Sam Neill's great in that. But the, yeah, uh, the, um, yeah I think it, it was his connection with another great love of mine, uh, Flight of the Concords, which I, ah, oh, it's probably my favorite comedy thing ever. I haven't seen it, but again, this makes so much more sense as well. Yeah. Is you're learning. I want to prep. You learn a lot about us. If anything, yeah. through intermission. This is such a uh, like. Yeah. That's your favorite comedy series. Mine's Louis. So much matches in so that's many so ways. Telling. <laughs> it's just, it's just... But just Taika Waititi is. I know that I've said in the past of people like Steven Spielberg being huge influences on me in terms of how he captures an audience and Sam Raimi. And in terms of, you know, his filmmaking techniques and Edgar Wright and his scripting and all that kind of stuff. Taika Waititi as a director, like in that Mm. role as a director, is from what I've seen from behind the scenes and all that kind of thing, is exactly the kind of director I aspire to be in every way. Just, I want making movies to be so much fun. All the time for everyone there. <laughs> I just and from this film you can just from you can tell everyone was having fun mm. making it. And just the genius of being like, I'm gonna make a film set during World War Two about a Hitler youth person and their imaginary friend is Hitler. Hitler. And I'm gonna play Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also Jewish. And I'm also Jewish. <laughs> amazing just wow chef's kiss like as a concept on its own that would be so funny and i can't believe that it was ever actually made i know that he, he was trying to get it made for years um yeah. i'm pretty sure it was the boost of doing a big marvel film and having the recognition from that that got him to be able to make it that's um, definitely what it was yeah, yeah. and I, i'm so glad that he did because honestly i know it doesn't it speaks to me on some personal levels in terms of um, Jojo and his relationship with his friend. Um, I, yeah, I connected with that a lot in terms mm-hmm. of these two like best mates and stuff and the way that they talk to each other. But, oh, it is you. It is you and Leo, like the winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to beat around the bush with it. Yeah, it is. Um, and I just. But apart from that, not a lot of this film is exactly personal to me in terms of the the story that it tells or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just came out of it and I love the feeling when you go into a film and you finish it and you come out and you go, God, I want to make movies like that. Mm. I think the last time I properly felt that was first time I saw Baby Driver, I imagine. Yeah. Just I like that, yeah. going, I just that is exactly what I want to do and why I want to make movies, and yeah, just everything about it. It's hilarious. When it gets sad, it gets real sad. 
Um, first time Julia has seen me cry was watching that film. Um, where she <laughs> went, sure, it's not the last. It oh, almost certainly not. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am a tear machine. Um, <laughs> I've never seen you cry. That's a. So Have that's you not? A, no, I haven't. Oh my god! Right. Okay. Well, I cry at films all the time, so we'll just have to watch one together more often. Well, when we watched It's a Wonderful Life, and you, I mean, the Did situation I... that mm. wasn't really. It's just know. us crowded around a laptop in a, in a, <laughs> it's like a sound booth. It wasn't really like in the equivalent of a shed. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it really was, but yeah, Jojo Rabbit was beautiful, heartwarming, hilarious. Um, devastating everything that I have ever wanted a film to be and really kind of from looking into the behind the scenes watching that footage um, it's really given me a thing to strive for in terms of me working and trying to be a better director than I am mm -hmm. which would be not very good currently but trying to get better you know you're a student you have an excuse it's fine yeah I know but yeah Getting better is what it's all about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Go, so, watch, go watch Bear Hook to see Robbie's... Uh, Robbie, um, Robbie's. If you want to watch Bear Hook, you will have to uh, privately message me for a link because it's no longer on YouTube. Oh, really? Have you taken it off? Uh, reasons we will discuss after this podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay, I will do. <laughs> so I need to stop plugging it. Bear Hook doesn't exist. Stop asking me about it. Forget it. Watch, watch your it. <laughs> Watch your it instead. Film it's great. Which, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, you can see Robbie in it. Yeah, you can, you can uh, see the thing that went that caused me to go through an existential spiral at one point. Yeah, you can see what caused that. Um, <laughs> you can see me and two actual actors. <laughs> <laughs> two actors who are training yeah. in the craft. <laughs> but that's. That's I was going to say something. I was I can't remember what I was going to say. That's going to be frustrating. Either way, what I'm probably going to have to do with this podcast, Robbie, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to make this a two-parter. So, yeah, top uh, 10 till 5, 5 till yeah, 1. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect us to go over four fucking hours. How long has it been recording for on the sound? Oh, my God. It is, it's four hours and a minute. That's insane. I am so sorry. Oh, no, we were both doing it. We both were... <laughs> I thought it was going to be quite skimming through. I, you know, I talked about 1917. I talked about A Sun, Happy mm. Season, Uncut Gems. Like, we're going through this. I'm talking about... Then I talked about Soul, and then we started opening up each other's emotions. Oh, my God. And then, you know what? If any of the became... podcasts was going to be it, it would be this one. And I'm yeah. glad it was, because we haven't had a good natter like this for a while. <laughs> we haven't. We've went from, we, we've went from very... This has been a very... Uh, a soul-searching... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a soul searching uh, top ten. It has, it really has. And of course, and you know what? I wanna I wanna officially say it. I'm gonna uh make a make this a little I'm gonna make these types of intermission episodes. This is obviously still an intermission episode fifteen, but mm -hmm. this is uh the pilot first proof of concept episode of Late Night Intermission with Oscar W. Fitch and oh, Robbie yeah. Tweedale. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because I like the thought of, because I like the thought of, uh, basically intermission after hours. I like the thought of, late at night, us two bullshitting about films. Yeah, and we're, as opposed, 
as opposed to analyzing we can have them. A, we can have a couple of drinks. We can have a good time on, <laughs> on those ones. I had very little whiskey, so I didn't quite... I, I had one singular bottle of a nondescript beer because we're not sponsored. Yeah. This one. Anyway, I'll show you the back of the bottle. <laughs> but anyway, that has been our um, top 10 favorite films of 2020 uh-huh. UK release dates. I'm going to say this now. People at round about this time, yeah, I would suspect by the time this episode's out, this might this might already be might already be out. Keep an eye out for the heel film awards because I like doing that stuff round about this stuff. time of the year. And I'll I'll send you the documents, Robbie, for the uh for the uh submissions for nominees and shit because that's always a fun thing to do i like doing that good stuff um so keep an eye out for that might have already been done by now i don't know i don't know like Who's i don't know what's happening i you know what? i'm giving up these they, you would have seen them all by now they haven't <laughs> been upload they haven't been uploaded yet as the time of recording this but throughout the entire other parts like other episodes that we've been doing we've been like oh well uh yeah hope 2021's going all all right and uh yeah so I'm not going to even say anything when it's like, I know this would be late February. I'm not even going to predict. Yeah. I'm not even going to We're going to stop anything. predicting the future and just live our lives. No, uh, not going to say. Again, I think that our number, my lists are probably, my list will be changing. It's probably within the next few weeks, just generally. Yeah. But I'm confident in my top few. Yeah. Personally. Like, they usually stay the same for the most part. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't. So through this, I've discovered I wouldn't mind doing a more breakdown video on the lighthouse. And you know what? I wouldn't yeah. mind doing a video, Robbie. Yeah. Not a not a full intermission episode. But when you do watch, I'm thinking of ending things. I wouldn't mind doing like a discussion about that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a mini, that. like a mini video. Yeah. Like not again, not a full episode, but I don't know, maybe like a 15, 20 minute video on just just chatting about. It. It. Yeah, I wouldn't mind yeah, doing cool. that. Good stuff. It's cool. Cool. Um, is there anything you want to say before I start signing off? Um, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Cool. One thing I will say is links are in the description, everyone, for everything mm-hmm. for intermission, including Robbie's letterboxed. I have a letterbox now. It's only got two reviews on it. <laughs> you need. You need to follow me back. Do I not follow you? <laughs> no, you don't. You only follow Scott. <laughs> That's amazing. I am so, I I have a podcast co-host now. Don't follow him on Letterboxd. The only the thing who, we do is talk about films. The one who the one who got you into it. The one who told you about Letterboxd. That is so funny. You Sorry. don't follow me. Well I'm now gonna, you will, but I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna wait until you do. I can't find out you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck How'd you do it? No, I'm still, oh yeah, here still we no, go. Still no no notifications on my phone. Fucking scoop up, dude. Get out of here. I'm so confused. Hang on. This is this is beautiful radio air. This is, this is beautiful. This is excellent. Um Oscar W Fitchit. If you're looking for my username, I'm just Fitchit. I got that oh, quick. For fuck's sake. And you can't change your username unless you pay for Letterboxd. So that's yeah, me I'm, for life. I'm following you. There you go. There you go. Robbie tweet. Robbie underscore Tweedle is now following. There you go. <laughs> you, need, you need to deck out. You need to deck out your Letterboxd a bit more. You need to put your favorite, your four favorites on there. You yeah. Put your, 
I need, you need a profile get, picture. You need you need to get diary and you need to get putting diary entries in. Yeah. You need to get you need to get on the game. I'll I'll uh, I'll guide you through it. Don't worry. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> and anyway, it's it's half past eleven. It currently. is. We went a while, and you still and you wanted to talk to me about something after we recorded. Yeah, so, I'll do. It, I'll do it very briefly. <laughs> I, if you go long, I'm not. I don't give a shit, Robbie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm up at this time now, anyway. You can talk to me as long as you want. And with that being said, everyone, this would be part two. So, yeah. thanks thank for listening. Every, thank you for this listeners. That would be more digestible in two parts, thing, yeah, as opposed to us being like, here's a three-hour podcast of just talking about Seven Samurai. <laughs> I don't know how well that did, oh, but, Christ. you know. I have no idea, might, actually. Might have done we, really well. Well, we, we haven't uploaded it yet. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Citizen Kane hasn't been uploaded I was gonna, yet. I was going to go and check then on the YouTube channel. No, but, yeah. Idiot. Anyway, guys, thank you for watching. Links for everything will be in description. And uh, just remember, everyone, 2020 wasn't great, was pretty poopy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we All my Timothy Chalamet films just got pushed. I didn't have Dune. I didn't have French Dispatch. That's all right. Gutting. Man. But all right, man. the one thing we got in 2020 was fucking Bong Joon-ho won <laughs> all of these Oscars. The I man won. I thought you were gonna say the intermission. Uh, uh, well, you I... know. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> oh god! And that, and that. Yeah, we started this podcast. Podcast. Oh god! Robbie finally hit puberty just yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Thank you everyone. Cheers lads. Bye. Bye.